Is it is it going? Okay, yes. Yes, we're here. We are here. We are here in 2024. Hello. I'm your host, Diego Crespo at the Waffle Press Retrospectives. Here's my co-host, Matt Garingo. Yes, it is I. Matt, how are we? Uh, I'm looking justed today. I'm getting the seasonal seasonal uh, allergies, I guess. But Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Ah, what the fuck are you going to do? Um... <laughs> Yeah, did you get seasonal allergies 12 years or 10 years ago 12 years ago i'm already fucking this up <laughs> did you get seasonal allergies 10 years ago um probably i mean i don't fucking know uh you know there was a there was a stretch in my life where for like three years in a row i got strep throat right before christmas break <laughs> Oh my when I was god! A kid. It happened like three times in a row, but I wasn't that upset because it meant like I got out of school like three days early. So, silver linings. There you right? go. Yeah, silver linings playbook. Eh. Just kidding. I know that was a 2012 movie. Eh. Yeah, thank God. Also, I don't like that movie. Yeah. Uh, um. Anyways, we're here to talk about our ten favorite movies from 2013, not 2023. Uh, Matt had this really fun idea to go back a decade prior, reassess our initial takes on the state of cinema. Um, maybe when we knew a lot less about cinema and the world. Yes. And just kind of like adjust our expectations, see how like we maybe like changed as fans of movies and um, see what would make our, our top 10 of the year now looking back at the year 2013. Yeah. And we're looking back at 2013 because we just got out of 2023. And everyone else is doing their best of the year list right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our best of a decade ago. Exactly. And so I think this is a really fun idea. We're going to see how this goes. This is a pre-legal uh, uh, drinking age year for me. <laughs> this is my last year where I can't legally drink alcohol. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, somewhat immature opinions on cinema. Um but uh, it'll be fun to revisit. I think we have uh, we have fun lists lined up. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. I don't know yours. You have seen mine. I have seen... Uh, and just a quick preamble <laughs> for me is that, like, I, I was doing, like, oh, it's 2013, I'll do a top 13. It's 2014, I'll do a top 14. <laughs> and that kind of trickled off at a certain point. <laughs> um, but this year, I, I had a, a top 13 year... A top 13 list for the year. <laughs> Um, I'll just consider the bottom three uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, do you want to bring right. those up? Sorry, I cut you off. You want to bring up the honorable mentions right now, then? Yeah, yeah. Let me just get them out of the way. It's... All right. Oh, wait. We should stress one. We should stress one thing first, just so everyone, just so mm-hmm. we're clear. This, these were our our lists in 2013. These are not our current list. We will try to develop a more a more accurate list by the end of the recording. Um, but mm-hmm. this, the what we are, what we are gonna mainly talk about is what was in our top, their best of the year list in 2013. Now Diego had his saved. Mine have been scrubbed from the internet because I think at some point I was ashamed of them. So mine is a best <laughs> approximation, and I, I, I will not pull my punches, and you will know that when you see what my number one movie of the year was in 2013. Oh no! So, um, it'll be it'll be fun to talk about. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
Yeah, so the quick honorable mentions are Steven Soderbergh's Behind the Candelabra, uh, Jeff Nichols' Mud, and Ridley Scott's The Counselor. There you go. We're both uh, counselor truthers on this I'm... podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aged better than I expected, those three. So <laughs> they they would have probably stuck around, frankly. I'll just say that right I now. I always wonder if, like, the ones you put at the bottom of your list are, like, the ones you secretly, like, really liked, but you kind of feel like you can't make them high on the list. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're kind of, like, insecure. Yeah, but yeah. But being like, I actually really mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this has to be the important pick or whatever. Yeah. You're like, you're kind of, you're like, you're like a mini academy. Like, being like, well, I have to include <laughs> the important movie on my top ten. Like, otherwise, <laughs> I'll look like a, a, a Otherwise, monster. what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, it's so funny. I don't have an honorable mentions list. Um. But, okay, okay. So I'll just say my number 10 then, and then you can say yours? Well, no, we'll, we'll talk about your number 10 since it's not on my list, and then, we, then we'll then we switch to mine. Okay. Um, All right. It's uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Only God Forgives. Hey! Um, I, I, love, I love him being on his bullshit, and I think <laughs> I talked about it in the Drive episode maybe, but I'll bring it up now again, where, like, the first time I saw it, for the first 15 minutes, I was like, I think I fucking hate this. Like, <laughs> it's like, like I was just rejecting it. And then by the end I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember someone like left the theater and then like, <laughs> I was driving around with a friend after and I was like, did I fucking, did I hate this? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, there's just this whole thing with like the, the mother and then the, the, all the fucking, the, the power. And then like the, the, I don't understand this symbolism, but it's like really like the violence is really sticking with me. And it's like, I felt like none of them had any free will. And then I was like, Oh, wait a second. And it just starts like unlocking mm-hmm. stuff. The more I thought about it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm totally a fan of reference bullshit. Um, I'll kind of just throw this on even now just for like, like background visuals. Really? You know? Um, you'll do that with this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really respond to it. I wouldn't say it's like... I, I wouldn't hype it up the way I did a decade ago once I finally realized I was in love with it. But <laughs> I, I, I still, again, I am a fan of Reference Bullshit. It, and You have it at five stars um, on Letterboxd currently. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I, I do still love it. But I'm not going to be like, oh, you got to watch Only God Forgives, you know? <laughs> now I'm like, oh, you guys got to watch Fast Five. <laughs> Um, that was a movie where I was I was so put off by the negative buzz I did not see it in theaters. I waited till VOD um, to watch it, uh, even though I was so hyped on Drive. I kind of it was kind of one of those where like I wanted to see that with people, but then when I heard it was so negative, I like was like, well, I, this is a movie I'm gonna have to watch by myself. And uh-huh. I probably <laughs> didn't have a car then, so I wasn't driving to the theater. So it was it was literally like if I wanted to go to the movies by myself, it was like I had to get someone to give me a ride or I had to walk the hour it took to get to the mall near me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, which I did a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, even though I was all like fucking still like crippled up from all the fucking meds I was on, <laughs> like I fucking I destroyed my body to go to the movies every week. <laughs> 
not the smartest. There is no bigger fan of the movies than Matt Garingo. There really isn't. Or my life was just so horrible at the time; it was the only good thing going on in it. So, uh, (laughs) uh, rest, rest in, uh, rest in piss, Shopping Town Mall. (laughs) Aww. Yeah, they're they're they're, Um, they're tearing it down this year, I believe. So. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah like, every mall is like over now. <laughs> yeah, which is a sh- like I don't know, like whatever. Everything's weird. Yeah, th- right. that that's a more complicated issue, but it's yeah. we, I think we can all agree we kind of miss like the communal vibes of yeah. that. <laughs> Can't we build a community but, space yeah. out of these things? But whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, would you? All right, so yeah, I don't know if I it wouldn't make my top ten. I'll say that I like Only God Forgives though, but it wouldn't make my top mm-hmm. ten of that year. Would it still make your top ten uh, now? I think it might. <laughs> all right. All Honestly. Right. All right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, just looking back at, at the rest of the year, it's like there there's some good fucking movies that year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna say what we'd put now yet, right? Um, no, like we'll say we'll off. say like, that I think, for the end. Okay. I'm picking it a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah, because but... we could just kind of run through that. Yeah, you know? yeah. We don't have to break down every new edition, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it it still might. Um, and I only say that because I think it would actually go higher. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. What makes you so confident that it would be higher? Um, some stuff drops off my list entirely. Some stuff gets added, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't know. Like, if I'm doing another top 13, like, it's... it's Yeah, okay, maybe it doesn't go higher, but I think it's still on here. Okay. Yeah. All right, maybe cool. higher is a bold statement. I, I was, I'm looking at, at one movie in particular, and I'm like, how the fuck did I not put that on there? But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean we that happens. return to this. Like, that happens where you just... You you have a movie like that where you're like, oh, I can't believe, like, I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, so, so, like, lowballed it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe I left off Anchorman too. You know, like, oh no, was that that year? <laughs> yeah, it was that year. Oh no, um, here, uh, that's, that's that is not on my list. That would not go on my list. I'll would, just say this really quickly about Anchorman two. That it's terrible. First half of that movie is is really rough. Mm-hmm. Something unlocked in my brain when he's sing when he's like blind or whatever, and he's singing about like the shark Doby or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm fucking just dying. I didn't see, did I see that in theaters? I don't remember. But I just remember fucking dying laughing. Like, I couldn't breathe. And that saves the movie for me and the entire back half I enjoy. I don't know what the fuck. I wasn't high. I was completely sober. But it just, like, it killed me. Mm-hmm. So, I would recommend the second half of Anchorman 2. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all. Well, alright. There's There's a ringing endorsement. Um, all right, my number ten. We're gonna have to skip because it's on your list and it's higher. Um, okay. And if you want to talk about lowballing, my number ten of that year was Pacific Rim. So that's high. That's on Diego's list as well, but it's higher up on his. So when we get to where he placed it, we'll talk about it. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, so, but that mm-hmm. was my number ten that year. Okay. Um, and I guess I'll just move to my number nine. Yeah, we'll go, yeah, go to number nine. Uh, 
All right, Fast and Furious Six. All right, here we're we're getting into it. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm assuming this was not on your list. It was not on my top ten of that year list. Now this was a little before okay. I was like fully like fast pilled, you know, like mm-hmm. where I yeah. had, I had seen that I had seen Fast Five and Fast and Furious Six in theaters and really enjoyed them. But was kind of still in that mentality of like, yeah, but they can't be like my favorite movies of that year, right? Like, that was yeah, still yeah. my mentality at the time. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. it it would it, now it is now I'm more open to saying that. Uh, that being said, mm-hmm. it still wouldn't make my top ten. Okay, I I accept that because mm-hmm. I know like we, we're in agreement about like that initial run of the franchise up to like seven. Mm-hmm. I think most people would agree it's like. Those are pretty, like, quality blockbusters, you know? Maybe they're not all home runs, but except, they're pretty quality across the board. Except for 4, which is, like, somehow one of the most forgettable movies ever made. Yeah, I like 4 more now, but it, it doesn't come together like these other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, Fast and Furious 6 is the best Avengers movie. Was that your take? That is my take. It's the Avengers versus the Masters of Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Lin is having a ball coming up with like true blue action blockbuster set pieces you know yeah um it it is still so much fucking fun like it i mean fast five is is that's the perfect one that is that is the fast and furious movie you know but fuck fast six is is he's cooking like with gas still Mm -hmm. um I think this is the one where I'm like, I could watch these for the rest of my life when I walk out of that theater, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and not the rest of my life, but, you know, I got a couple more years out of them. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still think, like, in terms of, like, this era of blockbusters, like, it is one of the better ones by a pretty significant margin. Um, I wish Justin Lin had more opportunities to do stuff outside of this franchise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I so think what you're... Um... I, I will say, though, I think what you respond to really strongly in uh, that movie um, is kind of what I start brushing up against in terms of the direction the franchise goes, um, mm-hmm. where it, it starts becoming more superhero-centric and less, you know, just crazy car-centric, right? Like... Yeah. And I I don't th- I think six is still a really good movie. I think it's a step down from five, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's still very good and better than you know if you're if I give it like you know if I give Fast Five five stars and I give Furious Six like four that's that's on a Fast and Furious curve right like that's just judging them based on the other movies in the franchise. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But uh, that being said, uh, Fast X from this year might be my least favorite movie of the year. So yeah, you talked me out of seeing that. It's basically, so, so bad. Congratulations. It's so bad. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Momoa is part of the problem. Ah, oh, don't don't say that. Um, well, based on what I've heard from uh, Aquaman two, some of the takes I've heard about Aquaman two, and uh, I think he. I think what he brought to that mm-hmm. is like the best stuff in that movie. I, I think everyone knows you're that the, I saw you're the it and only wasn't person, a fan. You're the only person that has said that to me. Really? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are like, he's trying so hard to be like Thor. Like he's trying to be Chris Hemsworth has been the take I've heard. And 
Oh, I didn't get that vibe at all. He's but tr- like trying to be a maybe fun, I'm missing the forest for the trees. A funny guy, and um, I'm not mm. sure if that's really his persona. Um, as much as I like Momoa, I'm not sure mm. if he's the funny guy in the way Chris Hemsworth is. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'll have to see the movie, but a lot um, of what he was trying in Fast X felt like trying to be a more like funnier guy, even though he's the villain essentially, and it didn't work at all. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I'll say it's it's not a like an outright disaster, but for the first half hour, like every like fifteen or like every like five to ten minutes, the movie's kind of like restarting, mm-hmm. and I was I was kind of just like flabbergasted, like oh we're like not like the movie hasn't really started yet, and I've been here for half an hour. That movie, I don't know what the plot is yet. That movie <laughs> had a, from what I understand, had a really difficult time getting to the finish line. <laughs> so yes. Um, Yes, it did. Um, um, there is fun stuff in it. Yeah. Like, well, with the monsters and shit, but, you know. It's James Wan, yeah. so, I mean. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Speaking of James Wan. Yeah, you, you see when he comes to play, and you see, like, what he never quite figured out <laughs> with, like, the, yeah. the narrative propulsion. You know what? James Wan's weird for me, though, where I think Aquaman might be, like, the one movie of his I really like. Like, mm-hmm. um, because, like, I'm not, like, like, I'm not a giant Saw fan. I've never like disliked it, but like I'm not a huge Saw guy, and I this yeah. speaking of 2013, this year was The Conjuring, a movie I saw in theaters, and I really disliked, and right, right. have not enjoyed on rewatch. Um, and then Malignant just like didn't do anything for me, and I I still don't really know why, because on paper Malignant should rule, but it just it mm-hmm. never works for me when I watch it. So I don't know what's going on with Juan. Um, Although it's, that movie he did Death Sentence is super underrated. It seems to be the one movie no one talks about. Yeah, I love Death Sentence. Death Sentence um, is great. Not not to not to spend too much more time on James Wan, someone who did not make my best of twenty fifteen <laughs> list. Um like yeah, I, I think part of the reason I was bummed with Aquaman too is that's the one of his I haven't enjoyed, like all the way through. Really? Um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, this is like it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like good for me to say this stuff. I was I was really going about for it, like, no, 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 I believe in them, even though, you know, I'm like a deer in headlights, everyone's telling me, like, they never figured out this movie, they've tested it, like, ten times, Mm -hmm. it gets worse every time, (laughs) like, (laughs) yeah, so. It makes me wonder if there's a cut of the movie that's, (sighs) That's like, four hours long that actually works, but. Um, I've, I've heard it wasn't, it wasn't that situation, it's, like, literally, like, they kind of, they wanted, like, the movie to capture a certain vibe. Yeah. And well, well also, they kind of didn't like get the script down. I've also heard Momoa threw his weight around a little bit, which is why he has a story credit on it that maybe conflicted with what Juan wanted to go for in the movie. Mm. Um, I'll I'll say what it is. Like a lot of it was like the eco friendly stuff because this yeah. one, you know, I love the first Aquaman. There's no big like <laughs> we have to save the ocean stuff. Well, that's, that's like Aquaman's thing. Well, well Ocean Ocean Master <laughs> throws all the trash out of the ocean. He's the villain. And it's yeah, like yeah. that's a good thing. <laughs> like that we want yeah, that would yeah. actually really help that would be beneficial to basically everyone. <laughs> like that's not a bad yeah. thing. Aquaman two Aquaman two, I will say it was really cool to see a blockbuster be like, no, like this is this is straight up about climate change. Like the the events yeah. of this film happen because of pollution and climate change. Yeah. How's uh, Patrick Wilson so, in it? How's Ocean? Oh, Master? he's tons of fun. That's what I that's all he I care is, about. He Oh no, no. You're you're gonna you might like this movie more than me. I might because of him. Um, 
Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check it out. It's not on my radar, though, because I'm trying to catch up with a bunch of movies right now. Yeah, you ca- catch up with the, the stuff that matters, and that breaks my heart to say that about Aquaman 2. I, Wonka has a higher oh. priority on my list than Aquaman 2. <laughs> yeah, which is apparently good. Um, anyways, that was Fast and Furious 6. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, that's the, technically the last Paul Walker one, right? Like, he passes away during 7. Um, yeah, so. like he, he's still in a lot of seven because they did the the dramatic stuff, like the non-action yeah. stuff first. But that so is one of those. That's why movies it was easier to like replace him. Where it was like the early, like we did, like we brought his brother on. We did like all the CGI to recreate it, and like you kind, I, I, when I watched seven, I had the idea that he had shot most of the movie, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh, they, he really is barely in this thing, like as a actual character in it because of what happened. Like you can tell when you watch that movie. That there are so many scenes where you know he's what? in them and no one acknowledges him really. Like he doesn't say anything. He has no bearing on the situation, and it's all Vin Diesel talking. And then they'll just look at Paul Walker and they'll just nod. It was weird. <laughs> I I didn't feel that when I first saw it. I still don't feel it that much. I will say you can tell now, like just knowing it. Was, that yeah. was a I had a visceral response to that. Like cause I, I was probably looking for it. Mm. Like and. It was it, yeah. it, it 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 maybe hurts my enjoyment of that movie. It made me uncomfortable, like being like, because I, I like I said, I just thought he had done more of the movie than apparently he had, and the watch scenes where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's not, he's he hasn't been, he hasn't really been in the movie for about an hour now. Like it's it's kind of insane. <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's that drastic, but it feels it at it, times. It's noticeable now. We'll cut to him and they'll have like one line, and there'll be something like, yeah, drive, and. It's like that could have been from any scene. <laughs> like, so wait, it's how do we feel about that looking back? Like, I know it's like a big, like you know, like everyone it was that like send off of it, you know, and stuff like that. But it's uh-huh. weird considering how like weird like de aging and shit has become now in cinema and bringing back, you know, like fucking Princess Leia and Rise of Skywalker and shit like that. Um, yeah. Like yeah, I, I I do hate it in Rise of Skywalker. I think I think because of of Paul Walker's like like passion for the franchise and actually being like tight with Vin Diesel. Um, according to Vin like Diesel, like if according to Vin Diesel, <laughs> I mean yeah, that's the we got we got questionable stuff going on there that uh, we don't have time to get into. Yeah, we do not have time um, to get into that. But um. I, I I would I would. I don't know. I don't envy anyone making that movie but at that point. I guess um, the pass I would give I think it is it, that it still works. The pass I would give Fast Seven is that they were filming it when it happened. Like it wasn't like a like Rise of Skywalker. They had not started filming when Carrie Fisher passed away. So yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It was that was a like you could have just written her out of the movie, but um, and then you're in a no win situation mm-hmm. where Paul Walker dies. Where it's like, do you kill him in the movie? Which is like you just can't do it. Like. Yeah, that would have been which foolish. is like w- which was a rumor at the time. Do you remember that? I like, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was part of the tension of that fucking movie. It was like, how are they going to handle this? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, they, they, they. I think they did a fine job with just kind of having him ride off into the sunset. You know. Hmm. Uh, all right. It's about as good as you can handle that situation. Yeah. Um. All right. My turn for my number nine. Um, which I don't believe is on yes. your list. Um, my number nine probably would have been Captain Phillips, the uh, Ooh, Paul okay. Greengrass movie. I was, I was, I'm weird with Paul Greengrass, where I don't like any of his Bourne mm-hmm. movies, but I was a big fan of United '93, 
and Captain Phillips kind of felt more in the vein of United 93, not just because it was based on a true event, but just it, it, it felt a little more grounded, right? Like, it was less mm-hmm. a, like, action thriller and more just a, like, a lot of that movie is just about being stuck in that boat for, like, an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a really intense movie. Um, I don't know. It feels like no one talks about it anymore. And I have, I, I've watched it maybe, like, once or twice since then, but I haven't felt, like, a giant urge to revisit it. Yeah, um, I remember really liking it, um, and I, I do generally like Greengrass. I think maybe he's fallen off a little bit. Um, I'd like to see him get back on that horse. Well, what has he done lately? But, um, he did that uh, News of the World, which I never actually saw. And uh, yeah, oh, I, I thought that was okay. And that, that Twenty Two July, which is another like tragedy movie, uh, which I think people like. Yeah, which which I did not see. Most people responded negatively to that. I don't even think I finished that one. Like. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just like, let's not do this. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after Captain Phillips, he does Jason Bourne, mm-hmm. which everyone was like, why? Yeah. Um, and then it turns out it's just him and Tony Gilroy fighting for dominance of the franchise. That is such a strange thing that, ha- that ended up happening with that, that franchise. Is... I guess yeah. he had Damon on his side because uh, they did Green Zone together. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, even though you when you watch... Jason Bourne, you're like, oh, this was kind of Tony Gilroy's baby. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, sure. Um, that's like fine. I said, I'm not a strong enough defender of those movies to be like, yeah, I feel that way now. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's... it's yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. Shit changes. I get you. Yeah. Um, yeah, not on my list. Not on my list. Mm-hmm. Great Tom Hanks performance. It's one of those, like reminders like oh tom hanks is genuinely a great actor type movies um yeah yeah um his oscar clip uh when he starts when he breaks down like Mm. that's still like really powerful shit like every once in a while you see someone tweeting or whatever Mm. like oh like what's a great performance that stuck with you or something and that's like come up Mm. like pretty often Mm -hmm. um yeah tom hanks is just one of those guys The only thing I remember this this bugged me at the time and it still bugs me now is uh it felt like the movie wanted an obvious out with uh which of the Somali pirates was a bad guy cuz there's an opening oh. scene there's an opening scene when like they're the the Somali pirates are on the beach and they're like going out and uh the, the like the main group of guys are like all right let's get our boat and it's like we need one more guy and like this this dude with like the angriest look on his face <laughs> Is like I'll join, and then there's like some li- like throwaway line like he's not even from our village, he can't be trusted. Like it feels like ADR almost, and uh-huh. it was like oh this guy's gonna it was like this guy's gonna be the obvious problem, and so it's like from then on like anytime a situation got escalated, it was that guy's fault, and I was like okay, <laughs> like I I know we need an yeah. obvious we need an obvious bad guy so like the rest of everyone else can kind of feel like in the middle and shit like that, but. Um, mm-hmm. that, I remember that bugging me then, and it still bugs me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little like, oh no, no, he's not one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like, like it, it's a it's a real softball. Yeah, for then, like white audiences, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a movie for white audiences, ultimately. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like with it, like the Smiley parts are made sympathetic to an extent, but it's still we have to not. Uh, hate ourselves leaving the theater when most of them get shot to death by the end of it. We're supposed to feel sad, 
but we're not supposed to be like, well, like we're not supposed to be devastated. Um, <laughs> but uh, even though when you really think about it, it was like, what the fuck? It was like a fucking boat. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Remember that was like a weird thing where it was like suddenly like pirates were back. Like that was that was such a weird. Yeah, moment. what was that? Well, I think it was because this is, it was is like that that. It was this one thing, and allegedly the real life Captain Phillips kind of like behaved very recklessly and almost like basically deliberately got himself caught by the Somali pirates. Like that's the mm. story. That's the real life story. And then when that happened, it turns in that yeah. classic thing when there's like one shark attack, and suddenly there's like are shark attacks on the rise, and then you yeah. have to watch like a fucking <laughs> one hour report that basically goes like. Well, no, but they could be. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think this. Yeah, was that's the fucking bullshit with with all that like, um, like investigative true to life stuff. It's like no, but yeah. it could happen. Exactly. It's like yeah, you know what else could happen? We're hit by a fucking asteroid in like the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. Is it gonna happen? No. No. Probably not. Probably not. You know. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe calm down. These fucking people. Are murderers hiding um, in your house? Details at eleven. Like that's the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of criminals, could I jump to my number eight? Yes, but we're gonna All skip right. it because it Barnes is higher. Scorsese's the Wolf of Wall Street. Wait, what? But, well, I was saying we're gonna skip it because it's higher on my list. But that's all. Okay, um, so, yeah, so it's Martin circuit. Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Hell yeah, that's it. We'll get yeah. back to that one. Um, I'll probably have a mm-hmm. lot to say about that movie. But my number eight um, was The World's End, directed by Edgar Wright. Um, oh, my God. I, I, that's another one I can't believe I left off my list. Hey. Um, I think that's now, like, the hipster choice of being, like, that's actually secretly the best of the, the Cornetto trilogy, right? Like, I think that's what people say now. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I agree. I think Hot Fuzz might be the best one. <laughs> But uh, I agree. That's always been my favorite, though. Yeah, I'll say yeah. that. But I think I put I think I put uh, World's End on the list because one, it had kind of it had kind of underperformed, and I felt bad. And then there was a weird like pitting the World's End against this is the end. Do you remember this discourse? I, I kind of I was like, no, this but, is the real movie. This is the funnier movie. This is the yeah. better. Like, who gives a shit? Well, people were like. I can't believe the world actually ends at the end of the world's end. (laughs) um, I remember that, like, wow, it ends on, like, a really depressing note. And I'm like, have you seen these fucking movies? Like, like, that's what happens. Like, like, I remember people being like, it's that classic thing, which is still happening to this fucking day, where an ending of a movie is treated like it actually happened in real life. Like, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the... Spoilers for the world's end, but the end of that movie... The, the invading aliens basically set off, like, a giant EMP that, like, wipes out all technology on Earth and, like, sets us back to the Stone Age. And mm-hmm. I remember people being like, but what about all the people in, hos- in hospitals on life support? And I'm like, okay. it's a fucking comedy. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> it's about a guy's drug... It's about a guy, like, being an alcoholic. Like... Um... And it was that was just so it was that that's that weird kind of discourse that used to happen, right? Like, I mean, it still kind of does. Yeah, happen. I guess you're right. I just said it does kind of still happen. 
And then the world's end is like, yeah. go- I mean, uh, uh, this is the end has gone on to be one of the, like the most canceled movies of all time because of the cast. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be the most canceled, like American movie mm-hmm. next to baby driver. Um, yeah, I guess Edgar Wright is competing with it in another way. Um, Oh uh, yeah, but uh, remember this is the end had Gangnam Style in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember when that song was everywhere? <laughs> I do. Um, you know what? Not a bad song. Sure. Whenever I just think about isn't the it like about this, the working class? Yeah, but like also when I think about that era of like, like. 420 blaze it like lull culture type shit like oh <laughs> it's it's such a like they don't see it coming they don't see it coming mm-hmm. like fucking three years <laughs> three years man it's gonna be 2016 like <laughs> shit's gonna go down <laughs> like it's such a yeah like, maybe that's it there's just a bad taste in my mouth for like all that yeah it's well it's like I can't I also I cannot listen to like any podcasts from before 2016 either. Like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. It's such a weird that. like. Uh, everyone just assumes everything's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. What a weird time. Well, some stuff worked out. Like what? Well, for the Republicans, not for good people. Oh, hey. <laughs> Got him. <'em. laughs> no. Yeah, boom. I still got it. <laughs> boom, roasted. <laughs> huh. Um speaking of Republicans, hey. if I can move to my number 7. Yes. This is insane that this uh, is higher than Wolf of Wall Street by the way. Yeah, this made me want to kill myself. Um <laughs> Iron Man 3. <laughs> a movie a movie I do love still. I think um, Maybe I'm not more to, than Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I'm willing to bet it made my top 20 that year, and it was mainly just a reaction to the people who were upset about the Mandarin twist. Like, I'm so driven by spite, I would have I would have totally <laughs> put Iron Man 3 on my list from the really bad takes that came out of that movie, um, even though it yeah. is far uh, from We, we already movie. talked about it. And we just did. Um, uh, yeah, like, we, we, we did just talk about it, and I stand by everything I said, and... Um, I, I would say even more positive things about it. Um, everything I said about Fast 6 also being, like, one of the better blockbusters. I think Iron Man 3, like, um, I love my Guardians trilogy. I think the action in Iron Man 3 is kind of, like, unparalleled in the franchise. So, okay. Um, yeah, now, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, here's something I was thinking about with uh, 2013, also the year of Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is a movie that has been uh, reclaimed by a lot of people. And would probably make a yes, lot of people's top ten list. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I will say one thing that one, one thing I was thinking about with that movie, to give it some credit, is that I do it sticks out a lot better than other superhero films that were released around that time, right? Like I, it has a more distinct yep. visual style to it. Uh, so, Absolutely. So pitting Iron Man three and uh, Man of Steel against each other, who do you think comes out on top? Uh, Iron Man three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. We we've talked about it a while back too, but yeah, Man of Steel. I do think very interesting. I don't think it comes together for me. Um. I admire it more than I'll ever enjoy it, and I have no interest in revisiting it. Go with God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, bad movie. BVS is great though. It's a it's a bad movie. Uh, 
And um, it's insane that they tried to build a, a shared universe off of it. <laughs> no, that's what's crazy. And then you know what? Every, like, I'm not like, everyone knows I'm not like a Zack Snyder hater <laughs> anymore and stuff like that. But whenever we hear, like, the, oh, do you guys hear Tony Scott almost did Man of Steel? Or he was, like, Christopher Nolan's pick to do Man of Steel? That's when I'm like, you know, what the fuck are we even doing here anymore? Yeah. Like, that's obvious. That would have been the best movie, like, ever made. Like, it would have. We don't have to give these things, like, half measures anymore. <laughs> it would have killed everyone. It would have been so good. <laughs> like, Warner Brothers would buy Disney. <laughs> like, <laughs> instead of uh, the imminent collapse of Warner Brothers, which should be any day now. Good Aww. job, Zazlav. Man, what a fucking tool. Yeah. It's interesting that he's going to just go down as like one of those hated men in history. <laughs> I know. That's that's pretty wild. Um, I'll say, yeah. I'll say no superhero Anyways. films on my list. Um, I actually put, like, Pacific oh, Rim good, was, like, the good. only action thing I put on my list. Um, and uh, I can't I can't really think of why I did that. Like, why it, why it shook out that way. Um. So, uh, I, I don't think it was a great year for action movies, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. That might be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I don't have any stronger take than that. I just like, yeah, I don't think it was a good year for that. There, yeah. Well, I mean, when I look back, it's yeah. like there, there there was a better selection, although there was one of the fucking Hobbit movies. Which one was it? Uh, the Desolation of Smaug. Oh, yeah. Um, which I saw in theaters and Fun a guy time. like got like angry at the ending behind me. <laughs> uh, rightfully so. That movie sucks ass. Sucks so much ass. I think it's okay. Complete ass. The dragon stuff's fun though. Uh, until it just doesn't. Oh yeah, have that's an the end- best. Until it just doesn't have an ending. Yeah, that, that's a very strange choice. It's almost like that- it should have been two movies at most. Yeah, it didn't uh. It- in the scene when they escape from the elves in the barrels, um, there's like it's a GoPro go- shot. Yes, yes. Um, like I, I that was one of the most jarring things I've ever seen in a major blockbuster. Well, it's just so like antithetical to like the classical formal approach that those movies were taking already. So it's like, Ziga, why did you do that? Ziga, that's a really long way of saying it was a bad idea that shouldn't have been done. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I meant like like Lord of the Rings. Like, mm. so when you move into to to the Hobbit territory, and you get hit with that, you're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and then he remember he like yeah. rolls down. The one guy like falls down. He's in the barrel, and then he like pops out with like the axes, and he uses the barrel as a shield. And, yeah. Um, fuck that movie. You know, I I do kind of like that image. <laughs> <sighs> what the fuck? There's Not so in like- that movie. There's so much of just the, like, fucking dwarves just, like, bumbling around. And also lost the nerve. They didn't have any songs in the second one. There were so many songs oh, yeah. in the first movie. And they, they totally abandoned it by Desolation of Smaug. Yeah, they fucked it up. Smaug should have gotten a number. I don't know if he actually had, if there actually is a Smaug song, but they should have given him one. Yeah, they should have. They should have. You ever okay. see the footage um, of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Smaug, like doing the, like this the motion capture shit? I was on Tumblr in 2013, so I yeah. absolutely saw that. The funniest thing about that it was basically unusable footage. Like there was no reason to have him do it; they just did it. <laughs> it like I didn't did know it. that. I was like, "Oh, this is." <laughs> it was like they did it just to make fun of him. <laughs> like... 
Oh. Is that real? They really didn't use any of that. I believe it was one of those things where, like, even the VFX people were like, what, why, are, why are you shooting this? And it's like, well, for, like, reference. And they're like, we're not going to use any of it. Like, he's, he doesn't look like a dragon. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so I believe none of it was really used. Um, but... But that's that whole thing where like like they basically lied about how how much performance capture there was with Gollum and shit like that, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what gave Roberts a mech is the idea it was like we're finally here, we can do motion capture, and it's like, oh, it turns out they were lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, great times. Um, yeah, great, great times. Um, I'm making some. Yeah, jokes. the Hobbit's not on our lists. Yeah, not on either of our lists. I'm making some jokes because. Uh, my next movie, um, not a not a happier film, um, Fruitvale Station, which mm. I saw in a theater. I dragged a friend to see it, which I can't believe I did. And, oh my god! Yeah, and also you know like how like I don't know what theaters are like in L.A., but you know like when there's like the numbered theaters and it'll have the little like uh, text up next to it being like what movie's playing in the theater. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, yeah, and they can uh-huh. change it for whatever movie. Um, Fruitvale Station did not get that. There was no poster. It was in the furthest theater in the back of the movie theater, and someone had just taped a piece of paper that had printed out and just said Fruitvale Station in all caps on it with an arrow pointing to the theater. I remember that so vividly. Um, Yeah, and then you sit down and watch one of the more depressing movies um, I had seen up to that point in my life. Yeah. um, Uh, That one leaves an impact. Yeah. It's like me, uh, me 2013. I think the cops might be bad. Like... <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this is, of course, the, like, the origins of Ryan Coogler. I think it's his fucking thesis film at USC. Yeah, well, it, I think the, the story with him is that, like, I think uh, he got handpicked by Forrest Whitaker. Like, because I think Forrest Whitaker's a producer on that movie. And Forrest Whitaker... Yeah, yeah, Forrest Whitaker was... is the guy who gives him the shot. And was like, he's like, I'll produce it, like, you you make it. And it is a, like, it is an amazing first movie, you know? Like, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. It's like a fully formed fucking uh, vision. And um, I hope we get to see that Ryan Coogler again someday. Uh, yeah. No offense I, I, to... I'm sure he could go back. I still believe in him, you know? Yeah. Like, I didn't hate Black Panther too. No, no, I honestly... He's still very good. Like, he hasn't... It's not like... Who's a, who's a better example of someone who, like, had a good vision, but then once they got into the machine, it kind of went away? Um, who... Who... Um, who would uh, I say? Honestly? Uh, now, Peter Jackson a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean... D- I think Peter different Jackson, machine, but... Yeah. I think his spirit just got broken. And then, like, also now he can't do, like, low-budget movies anymore. Like, he has to do Mm -hmm. giant movies. Um, But, like, you watch Wakanda Forever, which is a very uneven movie, and that's for a lot of reasons that are beyond his control. And Mm -hmm. you can still see him, his directing in it. Um, But it also is that funny thing of, like, Michael B. Jordan is clearly, like, his his muse almost. Like, where he always finds an excuse to do movies. And... The best scene in Wakanda Forever is him showing up, even though his character is fucking dead. <laughs> like, yeah. 
and it, it feels like he still has the the story instincts you know oh, no no 100 percent. what yeah it's, it's one of like, those decisions again, like that specifically feel yeah. good well when you read about wakanda forever it's like the stuff that was his um, before chadwick boseman unfortunately passed away like those that story that's the stuff that really works it's the like clearly they had to like shift direction last minute and then also some of the more marvely things that were put on top of them is the stuff that doesn't work in that movie you know whereas mm-hmm. when it's just yeah, yeah. when it's just the main story you can tell he wanted to tell that's when it really works um yeah and and i mean and like creed rules like i still love creed like i don't know how people feel about oh, it yeah. now i I, th- but, I think we've all come to realize creed is probably the best legacy sequel like yeah. by a pretty significant margin i think there's just such a rejection of the legacy um, sequel thing right now um because of yeah, the culture yeah, yeah. Is at, so uh but um yeah for bill station i just remember that was it, it, i remember that being a pretty devastating movie in the theaters um also has the insane choice if i remember to you, they show some of the actual footage in the opening of that movie if I remember oh, correctly, man. yeah, I, I, that, that could have been a recreation, but a big. And this is before, if I remember correctly, when does Ferguson happen? I believe Ferguson happens like shortly around this time. Twenty fourteen. Yes, yeah, so like one year later. So this is like right before that happens, you know. And mm-hmm. um, it's also interesting to see how these issues, when they get politicized, um, how people change their opinions on it because. Uh, I'll just say my friend who I saw it with uh, kind of went in a more conservative direction um, in recent years. And uh, Sorry they, to hear that. It happens. And, uh, but we saw Fruitvale Station. They were like, yeah, fuck the cops. That was wrong. Someone should have been prosecuted, right? And I'm almost mm-hmm. like, well, I wonder what they think now that their team is against this kind of stuff, those kind of reforms. Mm-hmm. And um, It's amazing how that can happen with people. Um, yeah. Uh, how Interesting about the fucking, to think about. How about the fucking uh, all the people trying to be like, you leftists are going to be crying now that Bill Clinton has been exposed in the Epstein list. Oh like, yeah, that's so funny. I, uh, one, I thought we already knew that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, we knew that. And two, fuck Bill Clinton. <laughs> like, like we don't. Yeah, we don't like yeah. him. Like. Yeah. It's because that's how they are yeah, with like their guys. Just... Like that's like they are such a like team player type thing you know it's mm-hmm. it's so strange because like we don't need bill clinton at all but um. yeah. yeah i don't what what does he do i mean uh he was in charge of the country at the right time <laughs> i guess like Maybe. I guess is what you could say. Right time for him, I guess. Yeah. Right time, well, yeah, right time for him, but also it was like the Cold War's over and like the dot coms are booming. Like, so it's, it's, he, he got in at like a right time in terms of where our economy and culture was. The only thing we had to worry about at that time was consumerism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every movie's like, man, everyone's well. a phony. Fucking oh my god! Everyone, I fucking Fight Club. I bought all of the shit. To sit everyone sounds catalog. like fucking Holden Caulfield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calling everyone phonies. Can you imagine being in the '90s like now? Like if like if like we could go back in time and instead of growing up in this decade, we got to grow up in the '90s and be surrounded by people being like, "Man, everything's so fake right now." 
Just be like, it's like, oh, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> you motherfuckers, you fucking, you fucking You don't bumps. even know. Yeah. I've come across Tic Tac accounts that are just like AI bullshit. Like, yeah. the entire account is like run by an AI, it looks like. And it's just, these people have no idea. People have no fucking idea how bullshit everything is now. <laughs> and you did nothing to stop it, by the way. You did nothing, yeah. Gen X. Why do you guys get off the hook every time? I know, what the fuck? What are they called? Like the invisible generation or something? Is that what they call them? Isn't I don't know. There is yeah. There's something like that where like they they didn't make enough of an impression. They're sort I, of like I, a like a transitional generation. <laughs> I guess I've always heard that like millennials are kind of like considered a bit of a like lost generation just because we like we have the financial crisis like and the pandemic like hitting us at like almost like ten year periods and it's like so like yeah, it keeps derailing there's, there's us. There's that. We're, so. We're also the generation that grew up at the tail end of a world without the internet and the beginning mm-hmm. of a world with the internet. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a very transitional generation as well. I think but we're I, just going to be in transitional generations for the like forever now. Are like, we, are, hold on. Are we just bullshitting ourselves? Aren't all generations transitional generations? I mean, maybe, like, but like, I think there's like big strokes happening a lot faster, and that I'm yeah. not saying that's never happened before. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, well, you don't understand millennials because it's never. Ha-. I'm sure plenty of stuff is very similar to other events that I'm just like not thinking of right now because we're talking about movies from ten years ago. Yeah. Um, but but I do think the internet one is is a big one, and okay. I think like to to the credit of the the generation that followed us, like I think mm. being stuck in a pandemic for basically two years at least if not longer um that will make an impact on uh gen zers you know yes and so like i i empathize i'm not saying one struggle is more important than another i'm just mm-hmm. saying you know for our discussion purposes the internet one is a pretty big shift yeah i, think we I don't got know the how best. we got there but i think we got the best part of the internet though like we got the early we got the old and the new so uh Oh yeah, we have the troll guy emoji. Hey, <laughs> everyone loved that guy. We're the generation that gave everyone Pepe. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and without Pepe, you wouldn't be able to see Richard Spencer get punched on loop. Oh yeah, I forgot. What? Where's that guy? Look at that. What happened to him? No, he got punched into obscurity. I'm not it, even joking. It really feels like that. Like. And that's why, kids, you should punch Nazis. Hey. You know. Not saying you shouldn't. (laughs) I'm just not not saying anything on a podcast that will be recorded. So. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, it's it's Nazis. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I should stop saying things. Cut cut Um, to me. I get get in a bar fight, like, just randomly, like, a year from now. And it turns out the guy was a Nazi. And they play this in court (laughs) and say it was premeditated. I'm like, fuck I didn't even know. You just thought he was an asshole. <laughs> um, well, Nazis are assholes, but um, really, did you do your number seven already? Um, well, I just did Fruitvale Station, so it's back to you. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, my number six is Disney's Frozen. <laughs> now this this threw me for a bit of a loop seeing it on your list. Really, I love Frozen. I still uh, love Frozen. Um, I, I was... think it is it is easily one of the better Disney movies of the last two decades. I was and am in the camp of uh, 
Tangled was a better movie. No, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I say I like Tangled. I do not agree more. Um, Frozen is a good movie for like the first half, and then it kind of no. Know it's what a good movie itself. all the way through. With those fucking trolls and their dumb magic, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, um, I will say. The thing that does kind of like put a mark against it is that there's no killer final song number. Like they do peak with "Let It Go." That happens in a lot of Disney then, films, though, for yeah. some reason. Like, yeah, what is that? Like, they've also, been doing it for long enough. You think they'd be able to figure it out? That's famously though that that was a they wrote uh, "Let It Go" as a villain song, like when the, the mm-hmm. Snow Queen was going to be a villain, and then they kind of went like, "Let's just make her the protagonist." <laughs> Yeah, and then Disney, which I do made... think was the right choice. Yeah, well, it clearly was for Disney because that gave them like seventeen billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> came like it like basically revitalized their whole thing, which is now like they're back in a slump again, right? Like, yeah, this is, yeah, because it's like post because it was like Princess and the Frog, which like super underperformed, and then Tangled, which Tangled at the time felt like them throwing in the towel. Because like Disney up to that point had been sticking to the whole like, we're not we're not we're not DreamWorks, we're not ironic with this shit. We, it if we do a mm-hmm. Rapunzel movie, it's called Rapunzel, right? Like that's what <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be. And then Tangled was like, fuck it, it's called Tangled. Look at the hair, they smirk. <laughs> like the the guy, the one guy's like, I don't sing songs, right? Like that that's what mm-hmm. that movie was. And and you yeah. watch it, and the the funny thing was that's how Tangle was advertised. And you watch it, and you're like, this is like a really good like fastball down the middle like princess movie. Like, it it totally. It I totally do like Tangled. Job, totally gets the job done, and then like Frozen just comes out the next year, and is like this fucking juggernaut. And um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm like it's like I like Tangled more, and then of that run, it's like Moana. I think was the best thing that Disney put out. So. Oh, I completely agree. Moana is like, I think top five yeah. all Disney for me. For me. So I think I think Frozen has just gone down in my like. I wasn't I was never a huge fan of it, and it's only kind of gone down since then. Um, but interesting. I didn't realize right. you liked it. Well, so you're much. not. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you really oh, yeah, respond? Oh no, yeah, I, I really love that movie. What do you respond? Uh, to? Why it? did I respond to it? Like, well, what like what is it that um, you're like? Like, cause with Disney, they're so kind of formulaic, you can, like, almost, like, swap parts out from each other a lot of the time, and it's hard to be, like, that's yeah. that movie's distinct voice. What is it in Frozen that you're like, that's why that one's the good one? Uh, I really like the the relationship between the sisters, like, mm. a lot. Um, I have that no is- siblings. <laughs> um, so maybe that's why it's like it's like a parasocial thing. But like my mom has uh, six sisters, mm. and so like seeing like the, the the squabbles and like them reconnecting and stuff like that, I'm just like it, it's it's something I guess I I can like understand just like as as a viewer, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Um, but I I I think it, it it's got. It doesn't feel like cheap. Sometimes you watch like a Disney movie with like the emotional pulls. And you just like, you can see them coming a fucking mile away or whatever, yeah. right? Um, I remember at the time one of the big talking points was the rug pull of the uh, Hans being the villain. Yes, right. Everyone was like, "Oh, he's actually a bad guy," and I, I'm pretty sure I, I didn't see it coming, but I wasn't like mind blown. 
because yeah. I think that we've talked about this before too, but that's the era where like every villain gets a reveal or they get locked away in a cage and it was actually their plan all along. Yeah. So like I kind of had my guard up for for villain stuff and I'm well, like that, there's no, like antagonist in this movie. I, so. I think really Frozen really signaled to me the like I think a problem that came to dominate animated films for that decade which was the like we know the tropes type attitude like we understand yeah we're in on the joke too and uh-huh because there's a lot of like well, how can you be in love with this guy you just met him like there's a lot of that which is like you know of course a reference to uh a bunch of the other disney but what's weird about that movie though is that like basically like, she doesn't fall in love with the other fucking guy, but like that basically falls in love with him. <laughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. even though they just met, um, and they're, and they're on an adventure. So they're trauma bonding, which is even less strong than meeting someone at a dance. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but it was one of those where like, they were underlying it so much. I'm like, well, this guy's going to be a problem. Like, I didn't know he's going to be like full on villain probably, but I knew like he, like mm-hmm. if, if something was going to go down, this guy, you can't count on him. <laughs> so, Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, here's the really good thing. This movie gave us a uh, Josh Gad being in everything. Hate the player, not the game. Because <laughs> this is like right after Book of Mormon premieres on Broadway, where he was he was in the mm-hmm. original run, which I saw live. I saw him and the other guy, the original cast, live. Um, and uh, Josh Gad, and this is the same songwriter one of the songwriters from book of mormon did the songs for frozen so like that's that kind of i had there. no idea yeah uh, wow. what's, what's what's that guy's name hold on um, i don't know um i will say though i am the josh gad semi defender because he has uh, a couple episodes stint on new girl as a guy named bear claw and no. he kind of fucking kills it no you know what show. josh josh gad when deployed correctly there's an ethical and humanitarian way to use Josh Gad, <laughs> is what I am saying. <laughs> but so many films do not consider the implications of Josh Gad. Um, yeah. And now it feels well, like, like we're kind of... In New Girl, he's just like a fucking like mess, and he's yeah. like... He, he, every every line feels like a struggle for him, and like he's like super sweaty, and he's like, and now you're gonna get the bear claw, and it's like it's so fucking funny. I'm sorry, and anyone who knows what I'm talking about agrees with me. Mm-hmm. I, I I'll watch New Girl one of these days. I promise. I know one day. It's fine. <laughs> Take your time. Maybe maybe you get me to watch New Girl, and I get you to watch some anime, and we do a series on it. Sure. Yeah, I gotta watch uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah. And, um, and when you what, think about it, the other New one? Girl, I wrote it down. Uh, Hunter Hunter. <laughs> Hunter Hunter, yes. New Girl and Yu Yu Hakusho are basically the same show. Yeah, I mean, it, it is anime. Yes. Um, Robert Lopez is the songwriter. It was him and his uh, wife oh, wrote okay. the songs for Frozen. But Robert Lopez is one of the writers for uh, Book of Mormon. He also did Avenue Q. And yeah, he kind of gets into the Disney machine for a little bit. And um, he got an Oscar for Frozen for Let It Go. Um, he also did Coco. Well deserved. And uh, he also, I believe he also did um, that Winnie the Pooh movie that no one remembers. Oh, I remember liking that. It is, it's actually pretty good. But that's all I remember about it. That's another one with like, uh, what the fuck? Whoa, what the fuck? There's a, Frozen, okay? there's a Frozen 4 coming. That's strange. We didn't even do three yet. 
I know. What the fuck? There's, really? There's two letterbox pages, one for Frozen three, one for Frozen four, and I was I thought Frozen two th- taught everyone don't do another Frozen movie. No, 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 no. You just have to make sure you have the story in advance because the the first and well, last fifteen minutes of Frozen two are not very strong, but everything else in the middle is great. Well, thank God Disney is known for their strong story structure these days. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> if they weren't, I'd be worried. We don't we don't talk about Bruno. Well, you know, we don't have to hold our breath. <laughs> no. Oh fucking No, we're gonna I, get cancelled if we talk about that movie. You you can talk about it. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say what I told a relative who also did not respond to that movie. Um and I'm not even gonna name the movie. If you if you know what Matt and I are talking about, good for you. If you don't, fuck off. Um <laughs> But what I told them was, look, there's a bunch of mediocre white people movies every year. We deserve to be mediocre once in a while, too. That's actually a very, that's actually a very good take, Diego. That's probably the kindest thing I could possibly think to say about that movie. Yeah. No, no, no. How much fucking white bullshit do we deal with all the time? It's fine. We we can get some bullshit, too. White bullshit, like white mediocre bullshit, like Frozen. Hey! <laughs> no, 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 no. Got him! That is cinema. That's yeah. cinema. Yeah. I mean, it's un- it's unfortunately a very important movie, so um, I can't yeah. just dismiss it. Uh, no, you Not cannot. on my list. I don't have any animated films on my list. It would have been The Wind Rises, but I don't think I actually saw it in time to put it on my top ten list. Mm-hmm. So There's another one, but we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Okay. My number six choice was Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Because I'm fully in the pocket of the Coen Brothers then and now. <laughs> like, uh, yep. Even though they, they no, broke up. great movie. They're, they're getting back together. Um, I remember this uh, baffling some people initially. I think most people got it, but I remember mm-hmm. it kind of being that weird, like, some people were like, what's, what's, what's the point? And... Um, yeah. I'm not even sure if I have, like, a strong take on it, but it's a great movie. Uh, and I just remember also being in the theater, because it was award season, so it's I'm the youngest person in the theater by about 30 years. <laughs> and uh, the uh, Please Mr. Kennedy song starts playing, and I'm the only one laughing. And I'm like, does no one get, like, what Outer what I think this is? Space. Outer space. Uh, <laughs> a great anti-space exploration song. <laughs> um, um, which for some bullshit yeah, reason no, I, couldn't couldn't be nominated for like best song that year. Like there was yeah, some well, reason. Why? why, why? It, I like I think it sampled something or some other shit. I don't even know, but it's one of those rules where like it wasn't it technically wasn't wholly original. Um That's so but inside stupid. Lou and Dave is kind of a, a wake-up call movie for me as someone going into their 20s um, where uh, you can still end up back in that alleyway when it's all said and done. Mm. That uh, Lou and Davis, a big part of him is he thinks that all this bullshit he's doing is going to be worth it in the end. And it, it just isn't for him. <laughs> and he's just, mm. at the end of that movie, he's back where he started. And not only that, the apocalypse is happening because... Uh, who's getting on stage right when uh he's exiting the stage for the last time Bob Dylan yes who's basically going to destroy uh 
all of the folk music scene. Um, and get called a Judas live on stage, uh, which is the thing <laughs> that really happened. You can find the recording of it. Um, That's fucking wild. Yeah. But it is like, it was like folk music was like this building thing in Greenwich Village, and then Bob Dylan comes along and it, it, it kind of, he kind of kills it. But um, someone had to kill it. Uh, I also Aww. like, this is this was pointed out about me, but uh, when uh, Lewin Davis attacks the lady at the end of the movie, it's like he's confronted with the actual real idea of what folk music is. So, of course, when he sees it, he attacks it. <laughs> so, uh, really great movie. I don't know if I have much to add about it. Yeah, really, yeah, really looks- terrific movie. Um, I, I always really liked that one, and uh, I'm, I'm actually shocked I didn't put it on the list at the time nope. either. Probably my introduction to Adam Driver, now that I think about it. Because I was not, I didn't watch Girls. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. um, there was another movie that year, but I don't think I saw that movie at the time. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that was my introduction to Adam Driver, basically. And it's him being one of the goofiest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> but, I know. And now he's Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, one of the goofiest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> <laughs> If Bob Dylan wants a scapegoat, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Um, here movie. I am. Yeah, with the good accent. Uh, yeah, cars, my cars favorite of the fast. year. Cars go really Cars fast. are fucking scary, is what they are. Yeah. Uh, Ride around what? in death traps every day. Mm-hmm. And my dad really, I took my dad to see it and he really liked it, so that's all that really matters. Yeah, he's right. Yes. All right, you uh, you can do your number okay. five. We're gonna skip over it because it's higher on my list. So. Yes, uh, Spike Jones is her. Yep, a very important movie from that year, and it seems oddly relevant yes. right now. But we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, yeah. Um. But yeah, your number five. My number five. Nebraska, directed by Alexander Whoa. Payne. Yes. Everyone's uh, favorite, Alexander yeah. Payne. Google Alexander Payne um, allegations for more. <laughs> yeah, something's going on with that guy. Um, I yeah. have yet to see uh, the holdovers. I have yet to see the holdovers, which is his first movie since Downsizing, um, which uh, wasn't wasn't necessarily. It was weird. I saw a lot of people being like, "Wow, it's weird." Alexander Payne hasn't made a movie in ten years, referencing Nebraska, and I'm like, "No, he did. <laughs> like, he did make a movie. Just <laughs> no one remembers it." Um, um, yeah, I did see the holdovers prior to learning about those allegations, and yeah. I thought it was very good prior yeah, to learning about of, those allegations. Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, really good things about the holdovers, um, mm-hmm. and I will see it eventually and judge it as a film, and then uh, maybe never speak of it again. Um, <laughs> but Alexander Payne's a weird guy. Uh, he is. Be, beyond the allegations. Like, uh, Election's a weird-ass movie. Fucking Sideways is weird. Um, those are all movies where I think... I do kind of love Sideways, though. Yeah, but I think I think every Alexander Payne movie I've ever seen, I respond to really strongly, and then when I revisit a few years later, I'm like, I still like it, but it's not nearly as high up as I thought it was. You know? Mm-hmm. I think I've had that with yeah, every no, single Yeah, no, no, I, I understand that. 
I think I've had that with every single Alexander Payne movie, except for Downsizing, which started low. But, um... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh... Nebraska, let's talk about, um, Nebraska I saw at the Manlius Art Cinema in Manlius, New York, which, uh, was basically a little closet of a movie theater. (laughs) And I've told this story, but I think about it all the time, um, where before the movie starts, it's a pretty good crowd for what it is. I'm there with my friend Connor, who might be listening to this episode, and, uh, this little man, (laughs) this little old man comes out. Connor was the only one who would actually go to see good movies with me. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, Connor always brings this quote up. He says, I said it, but I, I don't even remember saying it. But um, he says, I, one time I said, uh, there are some people who only see the bad movies. <laughs> and he brings that quote up a lot. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, we're both in the theater. And this little old man comes out, who I guess was the owner of the theater. And he was like, hello, thank you for coming. Uh, I don't know if any of you heard, but Alexander Payne, in an interview with NPR recently said about the film and then like basically read like gave like this whole little speech about what uh alexander payne had said on npr <laughs> and he was like okay enjoy the movie now <laughs> and then started the movie and i was like wow that was amazing <laughs> this little guy came out it was a little like pre-roll to the movie um i probably haven't watched nebraska since i saw it i maybe watched it once on home video afterwards um but that was it it's one of the few movies that found a way to use will forte <laughs> um, Aww. yeah uh well i'm not that's not a like will forte is a hard personality to build a movie around right like yeah 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 definitely nothing against him i wasn't assuming that yeah um, um like when you look at the movies he's in that are like his most viewed on letterboxd there are movies where he's in it for like two seconds because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's hard for the guy to carry a movie. Um, not his fault, really. It's just a... Is he MacGruber? Just a thing. Is he MacGruber? He is yeah, MacGruber. MacGruber. Yep. Christopher so, uh, Nolan's favorite movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MacGruber. Um, I remember liking Nebraska. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, Alexander Payne's strange for me because it's like I, I've never like outright loved his stuff except for like Sideways. Um, like I always feel a little distant from it until the Holdovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I, I do think he's very talented though. The Holdovers is the one that like won you over and then shit happened. <laughs> but um... yeah, I was like, oh, maybe this guy has a heart, and then I was like, oh shit, fuck. <laughs> like he seems he seems really fascinated with men who hate themselves for some reason. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, that's what I seem to have latched on to. Um, but, uh, yep. And then June Squibb got an Oscar nomination for it. Didn't win. I believe she's still alive. Um, it kind of gave her, like, a weird little, uh, kind of, uh, second win in her career. Um, for someone that old. She got to be in a Hubie Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who doesn't love Hubie Halloween? Yeah. Happy Amblin, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Happy Amblin, uh, now dead in a ditch somewhere. But I, I think we can go back. You can. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll we, figure it out. We'll figure we got, it out. We'll figure. We got it a lot out. of. We got a lot of other ideas. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, and Bruce Dern, fucking Bruce Dern. Oh yeah, around. yeah. It, 
Did he ever Another need guy- a comeback? And if so, is this it? Um. Well, I don't think. Not- I think it's weird that he went from a guy who like everyone kind of liked and had like a steady career to then he's like, he's in some of the biggest movies of those years. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you know, fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a blockbuster movie, and he's in it. He's not a huge part of it, but he's in it. He's in The Hateful Eight, he's in yeah. Django. Like, Tarantino really gave him kind of a, a boost towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's interesting a guy like, older guy like that can kind of get that second wind. And I'm, it's always nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, it I is. I like Darren. I like Darren. Uh, I do, too. And, um, uh, I also like my number four pick. Oh, wait, I just want to shout out um, one more actor, Stacey Keach. In Nebraska, who's like one of those oh, villainous? Yeah. He's such a great like villainous character in that movie. Um, he's probably he probably mm-hmm. steals that fucking movie. So I just I just had to bring up Stacy Keach. No, Stacy Keach uh, is fucking terrific. Or was he passed away? Right? Did he pass away? If it was, it was really <laughs> recent. Um, I could be wrong though. Uh, now I gotta look this up. Hang on. The voice of American greed, Stacy Keach. Nope, he's alive. Nope, he's still, okay, he's still alive. My apologies 82. to Stacy Keach. Yeah, eighty-two. Yeah. Keep going, Stacy. Yeah, uh, I've been rewatching Thirty Rock, so there's actually a lot of oh, crossover yeah. with uh, <laughs> Nebraska. And Stacy Keach does um, he like a uh, for their post Super Bowl episode, and mm-hmm. he does like a fake interlude commercial for it. And he's like, "We used to chew glass in this country." <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> It looks like yeah, though Stacy Keach like Ford style commercials, you know. <laughs> he might be retired though. It looks like Stacy Keach hasn't worked since 2020, which is totally that's totally fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, one of his last, one of his most recent movies was Gotti in 2019. So wow. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Oh, I guess it's on Blue Bloods, yeah. which is a show I don't watch. Um, but hey. Hey, yeah. all right, now, um, now it's your turn. Okay, my number four pick is Spring Breakers. Mm. Take it away, Diego. I'm just going to say, I, I, I stand by this pick completely, even though we're probably learning too much about Harmony Korine lately. Um, I can't believe there ended up being weird shit about Harmony Korine. Oh, well. I That one. You know. That one, it just came came out of left field. Like you just wouldn't see it with a yeah. guy like that. <laughs> there was just no way to predict it. There was just no way to predict it. It there was nothing in the way he carried himself or behaved that could have indicated such a thing. Remember when he stole from Meryl Streep's purse and got like shut out of of the uh, David Letterman show forever yes. because of it? Yes, yeah, because he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got some problems. He's got problems. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that he is a very visionary director. <laughs> yeah, uh, Spring Breakers is not on your list then. Um, uh, was not on my list at the time. It would probably mm. make my list now. Yeah, uh, that is one. It's oh. probably at the bottom of my list because I'm not like a huge Harmony Korine guy. Like I'm not like, uh, like a massive Harmony Korine stan. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not that's not, and that's not me like rewriting history. I just I've never like I let other people kind of be the uh, the champion of him, and it just it wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't just not me. It's not me. So 
Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I also think it's James Franco's best performance. I think he's really incredible in it as yeah. just like a sleazy scumbag who's taking advantage of um, doe-eyed, what are essentially white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, oh, that's just also James Franco. <laughs> 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 Well, Franco also was one of those um, guys where before, like, we, we learned he sucked. Like, he, he did, he could give, like, really great performances when he showed up, you know? Like, he was weird where yeah. he would swing wildly between good and bad performances. Yeah. Um, like, rewatching that Spider Man trilogy, he's, he's fucking good. He's really mm-hmm. fucking good. Mm-hmm. As, like, a really pathetic dweeb. <laughs> yep. Um,. Again, then you're like, oh, well, that's just, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I get it now. Um, yeah, I, I think Spring Breakers is, is really fucking great. And I know it kind of became like this, like, um, almost like a millennial calling card movie. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, Spring Break forever. But I, I think there's there's some really insightful stuff about, like, the class politics of it. Because the, the main girls in it are basically just like, you know, they treat it like a... a they treat it like spring break, but they're doing like some truly horrific shit. And like, yeah. you know, the ones with a sense of moral compass end up like kind of trickling out of the movie one by one. But the other ones like double down and just get so much worse. And, you know, um, they're, uh, how, how do they say, like, like class tourists, but they're like, they're mm-hmm. just fucking, they, they leave like such a wake of destruction. Um, and also Gucci Mane's in it. And Harmony Corinne <laughs> was like, if you can stay out of jail, you can be in the movie. And he stayed out of jail until the end of the filming. And then he went back to prison, I think. Well. Which I just I just thought was um, very funny. It's like, hey, he, he, he did enough. He, he did what was asked of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the look of the movie. Uh, Benoit Deby is one of my favorite cinematographers. Um, there's like such a... Uh, Harmony Corinne described the look of it as like very crunchy. Like the texture and the grain and the noise. Um, he's also a big fan of Miami Vice, and he was trying to capture something like that. But on yeah, film, you can tell that's, uh, that's kind like, of what he was going yeah. for with it. And it, I, I, I think yeah, he yeah. succeeded. Like, I think it pretty much yeah. works. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah. What I'll say, I'm I'm such a fan of Harmony Corinne's work, <laughs> the yeah. work. Um, not so much the worker, but. Yeah. He's always really trying stuff, uh, not just, like, visually, but, like, narratively. To the point where, like, the Beach Bum, I think, is just kind of, like, a bit. Like, it's a mm-hmm. long episode of Seinfeld, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, the worst person getting, like, kind of worse over time. Um, no thoughts, had empty cinema. But Spring Breakers has, like, so much on its mind. I, I can't really, like, explain all of it right now. But um, I think it's a terrific movie and one of the best of the decade still. Mm-hmm. And that's my rant. Yep. It, like like I said, it didn't make my list that year. And I probably, it took me a little while to warm up to it, but it probably would make my list now. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Um, what's, uh, so what number are we on now? Sorry, I'm losing track. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, that's my number four. Okay. Um, so that was your number four. My number four uh, will have to save because it is higher on your list. Uh, okay. Was, was uh, gravity? Ah. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three then is Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig's Francis Ha. Yeah. 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 One of those. Um. 
like those movies you kind of catch on on uh like well it was it played on Netflix for a while too mm-hmm. oh yeah it was um, it was a t- it was in constant rotation back in the day when Netflix had basically everything and yeah yeah um yeah it was one of those that you just caught like that everyone talked about and they're like this is a generation defining movie this is it's amazing you have to see this thing and then you, then you watch it and you don't really get it then you wait a few years and you watch it again and you don't really get it and then you watch it again a few years later and you don't really get it and then it's today <laughs> recording this episode <laughs> Um, and now you get I, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a bomb uh, back guy. I'm not a bomb back guy. And I. It's a very well made movie that just kind of doesn't do anything for me. Okay. Um, okay. For for me, I, I think it kind of taps into like that, that generational uncertainty everyone has after like after school and you're like what am i gonna do with my life like what do i what do i even want anymore like who am i yada yada all right like do all I right. even have like a place diego all right let's let's do like a little bit of like uh a reenactment of those years for both of us okay okay um, all right you go first you all right say you be you realizing you're in that transitional period let's explain what your anxieties are um did I did I make the right choice? I guess I don't know. All right, all right, all right. Now now here's me. Um, I am dying in a hospital bed. Mm. So maybe that's why I didn't get Francis Ha that much. I mean, hey, that's entirely possible. <laughs> it's not. It's not a criticism of the film at all. By the way, it's just that like whenever yeah. I hear people talk about that like post high school like what do I do with my life thing, um, I did not have that. Because I knew what I had to do with my life, which was not die. <laughs> so, um, I had different priorities in my early 20s. Um, hey, hey, totally understandable. So, I think that's why Francis has always at a little bit of a distance for me. Um, mm-hmm. As is most of Bombac stuff, if I'm being honest. Um, which, I don't even know why that is. Uh yeah. Uh, I don't love all of his stuff. Francis Haw is like far and away my favorite of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love seeing pictures of him though because he looks like he never wants to be anywhere ever. Yeah, he looks like he's been forced at gunpoint to be everywhere he's at. It's incredible. And then you hear like when him and Greta are gonna like write Barbie, and he's trying to like get out of it because he's so anxious about it. And I'm like, you know what? I think I like this guy. I think. Um- <laughs> I think I he's know. one of us. I don't know if I like that guy that much. Now that you say that, okay. Um, I mean, right. fucking. That's, that's fine. Uh, I hope Greta Gerwig's happy. Is all I'm saying. If she has to massage that yeah, insecurity yeah. on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> good lord. Um, yeah. Just how hard is it to write fucking Barbie? God damn it. Well, I mean, that's a pretty well-written movie. Yeah, it's well-written, but it's not like... it's. it's what is, I'm just picturing Barton Fink sitting in that movie theater watching <laughs> clips of wrestling films and, like, not getting it. <laughs> I'm trying to find the voice of the common Barbie. Yeah, the common man. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, but I'm guessing you really like Francis, huh? 
yeah, I love Francis Hall. I still love Francis Hall. It'd, it'd probably be lower on my list, um, but I, I think it's got a shot at the top ten still. Okay. Uh, so you're number three. My number three. Who's my number three? Um, oh, all right, we're returning to your number five, which was her. Yeah. Remember her? I do. I do remember her. When was what do you feel you about her? When was the last time you watched her? Oh uh, god, like last year was it? Maybe two really? years ago? Let me check. I think I, I think I logged it. Oh, like oh my god, like three years ago. Okay, how did you feel on that watch? Um, I still really love it. Okay. There, I I have some questions, but I still really love it. All right. So here's something about How did her you feel? For me. Um, at the time mm-hmm. I saw her, I was in my first, what I would consider my first serious relationship. And it was a long distance relationship at that. And by the time I rewatch her, that relationship had completely collapsed. And everything <laughs> had fallen apart. And um, it, it definitely affected how I viewed the movie both times. Um, okay. Cause I, I, I think it is a movie. There's a lot of, you, there's a lot of readings you could put on the movie her, right? Like there's, there's kind of mm-hmm. a lot you could do there. Um, and I think it, it's, you can partly see it about the way our relationships are kind of changing in the 21st century. You know, that there's a lot of what we do mm-hmm. now that is very common would have been unconventional even five years ago, you know, especially in a post pandemic world where we can't physically be with each other as much as we want to be. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, it's one of those movies where, uh, all right. Um, what is, what is Olivia Wilde call Joaquin Phoenix in the movie after their first date? Shoot, I, f- I forget. They have that blind date, and she calls him like a, a weirdo or something like that. Like, oh, you're actually like a bad yeah. person. Like, she 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 calls mm-hmm. him out on some stuff. What do you think about that? Uh, I think part of that is accurate, <laughs> and I think part of that is that character's own like um uh uh insecurities about like wanting to settle down that now that she's getting older you know mm-hmm. i i think that's that's a pretty well-defined and understandable uh statement even for like a minor character like that okay um and he is weird mm-hmm. like uh theodore twombly right that's his name yeah 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 he, yeah. he, he is kind of weird you know he's very weird yeah <laughs> very strange guy and um it's weird. It's a weird character to think that you related to him at one point, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like now when I look back, it's, I can just see a lot of the mistakes in his character that I was making in my early twenties. Now what's weird about it is that he's a divorced man in that movie. So he's already <laughs> gone through like a full relationship. Like it's uh it's an interesting, um, movie when I look at it from that perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. and, how do I say this? Um, I just it's it is weird in this era where uh, 
we live so vicariously through other people over social media um, and I wonder what that is doing to us mentally and I wonder how much of her is about that you know um, and I wonder mm-hmm. how much of that is a choice we are making as a society as if like we want this like sort of we get enough fulfillment out of these this vicarious living um, as opposed to how much of this is being forced upon us by the situation of the world we are in right um, yeah so I got yeah there's a lot more I could unpack here but I don't want to be here for four hours talking about her yeah I uh, failed the war contender um didn't it win best screenplay though oh fuck that's right okay yeah it was kind of a surprise win too if I remember correctly and then Spike Jones hasn't made anything yeah, since yeah. then correct no, he's doing like a TV show or something right now. Yeah, but he hasn't made anything oh. like a, no, like no movie, like no, no feature film. No, no, no. Yeah, no. like he's which still working. Cr- he, he's yeah. Adding. It's which, but it's just crazy to think about. Like that should have been that was kind of his like crowning achievement moment, and it did, nothing happened. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think part of that is the industry changes that have happened in light of that. Because um, mm-hmm. this was a really successful movie, critically and financially, of course, but. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I just think the type of movie it is wouldn't get funded um, like at the budget level. What did it even cost to make? Hang on, let me see. Because I'm assuming it's like fifty million. Oh, twenty three million dollars. That looks incredible for twenty three million dollars. Well, yeah, that's that's this um, era where those movies look more expensive than they are because they're cutting corners in a lot of places, and usually with like mm-hmm. actor and director salaries and shit like that. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, really impressive. Jesus Christ, um, yeah. So now that's probably like you can get this made again. Actually, I think, but um, yeah, I'm sure it'd be a struggle to do. And I think it would play yeah. better now, considering like the weird AI world we live in right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I will say that, and like I kind of responded this way to the creator, a movie I liked, uh, even though significantly less than her. Um, but th- this concept of like AI, like how it relates to our real world artificial intelligence isn't real intelligence in the real world in in mm-hmm. fictional narratives it is an actual intelligence so we have to treat it differently right we have obviously have to treat it like a, as a sentient yeah. being with like respect and like you can have actual conversations and you know this is part of her as well like mm-hmm. understanding um the emotional capacities of a learning machine like a, a functional like artificial brain have you um, and in the real uh, world it's, it's just like numbers <laughs> yeah yeah it, have you fiddled with any like of the like uh chat like bots like jet gtp stuff like have you i i uh, haven't and I, I don't begrudge anyone for trying to like understand it i just i haven't yet because i've been so put off by it like no no i i I'm totally understand to trying to understand it now by doing that but i i've not given that a shot yet no i i have fiddled with a few just because of like curiosity um, specifically mm. ones that are supposed to like be able to like hold a conversation with you. I find those kind of fascinating. What's really mm. weird about them is how overly complimentary they are to you. Hmm. Um, hmm. how overly, uh, they, they seem to like, no matter what you say, they try to find like a silver lining in it to compliment you. And I wonder what um, that's about. Yeah. It, it's, it, it is an interesting thing and it does make me think a little bit about, uh, her and an operating system being mm-hmm. tailor made for you, so um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think um, just part of the like what you're what you're describing about the film, like being put off by these elements. I guess that's what you're saying, right? Like you're you're a little more put off by that now. Um, I'm just, no, that's honestly not even the stuff I'm really put off by. It's just kind of interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Well, like I I just think like because this is pure fictional science, you know. Like, yeah, for, yeah. For me, I'm just describing my my own like hangups with with these kind of stories now. Is that like. It's just not real. Like we don't we don't have the the AI revolution thing or whatever, you know, like the ending of her where they're like they gain like enough sentience to move into their own plane of existence because they don't fit in with the human world and stuff like that. Like that's very moving to me. You know, even without like the relationship romance metaphors going on there. Um or not even metaphors, it's just straight up literal romance. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um but I, I think that's like a really fascinating like science fiction concept but that's not ai as we understand it in the real world so for me it's like it i i can keep elements like that at an arm's length distant you know like it's it, it's it's just not um it's not that's not reality i guess and so um okay that yeah. i do rub up against stuff like that now all right are you just against AI in general in fiction right now, just because of the way it's uh, be, like that we're calling a lot uh, of things AI now that aren't really AI? Like, you think it's warping our perspective a little bit? I I, I worry it's going to warp, warp someone's perspective. Like, look, I love me some Gareth Edwards. I'm there day one for what he does next, but I, you know, he's I I I think he's conflating the fictional AI with like the real deal thing and the real deal AI should be like uh, an assistance or like a, like a beneficial thing to humanity and not a tool to replace workers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is what it is now. Um, yeah. It doesn't always have to be that, but now, that's what it is not, right now. Thankfully it's not a very good tool. So yeah. Yeah. Like a, the AI bubble is going to burst like <laughs> NFT bubbles. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Smarter people than I will tinker away at what we call AI right now, and we'll see where that goes. Um, I have no fucking idea, but well, based on movies, um, AI is just gonna work. It's just a great idea. Nothing will go wrong. Yeah, much like the Torment Nexus. Do you hear people talk about AI like where they're like they're like scared of it? Like, and I'm talking about like scared, like in terms of like Skynet scared. Of like yeah. Chat GTP and like, are you like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's not that. Like, yeah, it's that's kind of crazy to me that we think what, what we mm-hmm. what we think the AI is versus what it actually is is kind of nuts to me. Yeah. Well, that's from a healthy diet of watching James Cameron's Terminator and Terminator Two. Yeah, I guess. People are just, and that's know. nothing against those movies, but I think people again, like they're conflating the fictional AI with like actual, like real world stuff, which is just not yeah. the same thing whatsoever. Yeah. Anyways, um, do no, you still like you... her? <laughs> um, no, we broke up. Oh, you're talking about the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> boo. Uh, um. You know, I, I haven't really been able to bring myself to rewatch it because part, part of me thinks I will hate it on rewatch. Um, okay. Because it will just bring me back to too many moments um, from that era that maybe mm-hmm. are best left in the past. <laughs> okay, okay. But it did, it did I mean, when I rewatched it, it did kind of remind me of, like, it went from being a movie kind of about where I was able to 
view my long distance relationship through that to then on rewatch where I had post breakup where I had really shut myself off from people and my only interactions was uh, kind of through social media type stuff and that kind of like how easy it is to retreat into that kind of world um which I'm not saying that's what the movie's about I'm just saying in terms of my real life it was interesting to see that reflected in two rewatches of the movie <laughs> so yeah I, I find that element really interesting too um mm-hmm. and again like if it if you showed this to more people like now um, not that it's like a mandatory viewing like I don't think everyone should like have to watch this movie or anything like that um I would encourage it because I do still love it um but yeah it, it's a it's I think it's aged in a, a mostly good way because of that social media aspect especially yeah yeah um especially like after the start of a pandemic mm-hmm. but yeah um that was your number three right that was my number three so now on to your number two which we already discussed but uh we i mean i already mentioned but now it's time to talk about yeah it. uh Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity. No, you're lying, you son of a bitch. We talked about this before what? the fucking recording. <laughs> you're right. Um, my my actual number two is Pacific Rim. I was like, what the fuck? Is-? Yeah, you're, you're totally... I should have just switched it. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, my number two back in 2013 was Pacific Rim. Yes. Diego had, yeah. had tried to Guillermo rig it to make himself Rim. look a little better. But, uh... Yeah, no, no. Well, well here, here's the thing. Gravity was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. It was like it felt like being on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I think the movie's still a really tight little thriller. Like mm-hmm. for like ninety minutes, it's it's about well, we will talk as about good it, as but these. We're talking get. about we're talking about Pacific Rim right now. Um, okay, uh, Pacific Rim. Um, it's it's the best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> talking about all these blockbusters on my list in the back of my mind i was kind of saving this for later but fuck it i think pacific rim might be the best blockbuster of the 2010s i think the spectacle is unparalleled i think the direction is just like flabbergastingly stupidly good um the action is incredible anyone who says it's too slow is is fucking weak you're weak shit you should be ashamed of yourself (laughs) um it's got so much passion and love and heart, and it would be fucking moronic to kill off any of these characters in a sequel. Um, I'm just getting angry because I'm thinking about the sequel now, but Pacific Rim is is a masterpiece. I think it's it's top three Del Toro on a good day, and on my best days, I call it his best movie. It's definitely my favorite of his. Um, but that's yeah, all right. I also think he he's I think he's also like batting like a thousand at this point. So, you know. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty. And good. I know you're less. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 less hot on it than I am. It's an entirely solid movie. Now you're saying it's the best uh, uh, blockbuster of a decade that included uh, Mad Max Fury Road, but uh, hey, Mad Max is judge. right next to it. Yeah, it's yeah. right there. They're they're the uh, same level to me. Um, sure. I'm trying to think of what else. I mean that it is not a not a great year for those type of movies. Um, um, have you have you seen the unrated cut of Wolverine? Um, yes, I have. Uh, very okay, I, I think that one's actually pretty solid. Yeah. 
Would you put Snowpiercer on that list? Of best blockbusters? Like, yeah, like, because it's kind of like, it's kind of like an action movie, but it's like, it barely got released, so. Like... Yeah, I did see it in theaters, though. How'd you manage to see it in theaters? And, like, that was at a local theater. Oh, that f- fucking, fucking Weinstein motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably put Snowpiercer up there. Okay. Like, it's not my favorite bong, but it's, John, John it's Wick a two. great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, John Wick 2, absolutely. So, these are just movies I would rank higher than Pacific Rim, but, uh, hey. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 I would train, train to Busan, maybe, was being very generous. Um, it's, a, it's a great yeah. movie. I would not put it higher. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout? That's a lie. I don't like that movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... I you know what um I like it less now than I did when I first saw it. it it's still a good time for me but it's just like there's like nothing happening there yeah yeah um, not a good movie and everyone but, fucking uh, softballed that new one uh you mean a ter- that terrible movie I don't know what people saw in that but yeah it's a bad oh wait movie. are are you oh you're Sorry. agreeing that it's bad I thought you meant people were like uh undersold how good it was no that movie's bad that no very I, bad. yeah. I like every Mission Impossible except this new one. I think people fooled themselves. What? Yeah, I, what I think it's wrong? a bad movie. Like it's really bad. I've, like I, I, it, I, I was, think, I was flabbergasted. I, I went easy on it. Um, but um, yeah, I was really shocked at basically how incompetent it was. Yeah, it's very bad. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim, a I, movie I've, that yeah. I had to drag friends to. Because no one wanted to see it, because it was the same weekend as uh, Grown Ups or Grown Ups Two. I don't even remember which one. It was uh, Grown Ups Two. I, I just sighed because I remembered that. Saw it in IMAX. Probably one of the best IMAX movies I've ever seen. Um, I think I can oh, easily yeah. say that. Yeah, it yeah. looks incredible in the IMAX. I do love that it's a movie that essentially the cooler movie happened before the events of the movie start. Like that we are in the <laughs> we're in the downslope. We are post the like golden age of kaiju fighting it's like now yeah. everyone's losing and um it just sucks now uh <laughs> like there's there's a lot of really cool stuff in pacific Rim. what 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 really frustrates me and it's less to do with the movie itself is that it feels like an amazing first act to a, a franchise that is just getting started right it's like <laughs> this is a great place to start and then it's just like nope not that's not happening so yeah um like that's that's really where i kind of run up because also um uh i don't know if all the metaphors of it work very well (laughs) in terms of it's supposed it's it's kind of supposed to be a metaphor for climate change right like Mm -hmm. it's it's like oh we got to stop this thing but it's also a uh you could totally mistake the uh invading aliens as you know um invading migrants that we have to build a wall to keep them out and oh, if the wall's not gonna work, we might as well nuke them. So I'm not sure if it all works. <laughs> okay, I I see the um the qualms. So it's to speak. A, it's a, and and this is just also this is just me being a fucking piece of shit. But I love giant robot shit, and it's just like this is a very good giant robot movie. It's not like my favorite, you know. Like I've seen other ones mm. that are better. Okay, uh, okay. And, it's, I want I I think part of it too is I so wanted it to be the like, like the Peter Jackson's King Kong of fucking 
kaiju movies, right? Where it's like it's all the good stuff, none of the bad stuff, right? Like, and it's just epic. Mm-hmm. It's it's what you always pictured it in your head as, but it never actually looked like, right? And it just it just sure, wasn't yeah, yeah. it just wasn't that. It's very good. It's just not that. So I I just and, I can't imagine calling this very good. Like even down to like the fucking world building, like it's just so imaginative no, and inventive. Like there is you just no, want no, to like live in this shit. It does such a good job that it makes me really want a sequel <laughs> that never came. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know what? It, it's the one franchise where I'm like, because usually I've made it clear, like I have a hard line for like. Oh, this is the real sequel. We're erasing the other ones, right? I'm like, oh, such fucking boring bullshit. But me and all the other Pacific Rim heads are like, no, you probably, you probably go ahead and do that here. Yeah, erase it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking kill it. Fucking take that thing out back and shoot it. Like, yeah. The, o- the opening of if they do another Pacific Rim two, the opening of the movie should be someone killing the last Pacific Rim two. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the actual franchise. They just kill it, and then it's like, okay, now let's get to the actual good movie. Um, but if someone is just a Del Toro yeah. fan, it's just a lot. A lot of his, I respond a lot better to a lot of his other movies. They deliver for me in that way, where it's like this is like the version I've always imagined of this type of movie. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Pacific Rim just didn't get there for me, but it's still very good. Uh, it's. Still, Do you think uh, we're drift compatible? Um. Fuck no. Uh, no, <laughs> I do like that. That is that is probably the best element of that movie is the idea that you need to be like drift compatible. Um, it's a very mm-hmm. easy metaphor to play with. Uh, yeah, done, could, um, could do I don't want to shout out. Yeah, I, I want to shout out my friend Avishai Weinberger, excellent writer. Um, who uh, I interviewed him like about, about over a year ago now, and we, we just went on a Pacific Rim tangent because we both love it as well. And he had mentioned something in the original script that I was not familiar with. When they're drift compatible, that was supposed to be the only way um, the the leads were going to be able to communicate. Mm. Where initially, she was just going to um, not speak English out in the real world. But when they're drift compatible, you know, we would interpret it as them speaking the same language. But really, their minds are just interconnected and so they can understand each other's feelings and, and emotions. And I'm like, man, that's such a good fucking idea. <laughs> like, I really want to see that in a hypothetical sequel. It's a cool idea. That will never uh, happen. <laughs> so the movie ends with them nuking the aliens, and it says, only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fun, fun movie, though. Fun movie. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, what's your number two? My number two, which was your number eight, is The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, life changing. Yeah, you had your finger movie. on the pulse a little bit. Yeah, although here's something funny. I actually, in making my uh, top ten, it might not, be, it might actually be lower on my list. I thought it would go up. Whoa. But, yeah, but whoa, the, whoa, I whoa. realized there were there were two movies I kind of uh, forgot about that were technically 2013 releases that um, were higher. So. Um, okay, but, uh, okay. yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, um, all right, what, what, what's, give me your quick take on Wolf of Wall Street before I give mine, because I don't hear my take as often. Um, 
it is the natural evolution of the Scorsese crime film where we don't follow the rise and fall of like organized crime. Now we just follow the rise and fall of white collar crime. Mm-hmm. Like this is where like the quote unquote like the kingpins are now. They're on Wall Street, you know. They're not they're not dealing back alley shit anymore. Like that crime exists still, mm-hmm. but it's not the level it once was. And if it is, it's also more interconnected with like corporate or government agencies or just straight up Wall Street as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and law mm-hmm. enforcement. So I think this is one of the quintessential movies um, of like the history of cinema, not just of the decade. Okay. So I'm in your camp is what I'm yes. saying. Um, uh, I would uh, definitely you... have it higher than you then it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, that reading is a hundred percent correct, but it's also a movie about how humanity is doomed. Um, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street is capitalism as apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, it is a story about, it's not just a story of crime, it's not just a story of addiction, it is about the inability of human beings to break away from capitalism. Um, it is a movie where Jordan Belfort, he's a criminal, he's given multiple opportunities to just stop, and he will get away with it, right? He is mm-hmm. at multiple turns. He will get away with it if he just stops and he can't bring himself to do it. That speech, everyone shares that speech where he's like, I'm not leaving, right? Which is a really powerful yeah. and intense scene. In the movie. That is the scariest fucking scene in any movie. <laughs> that scene is so scary to me. Because ultimately, you you know, capitalism's a fucking nightmare. But what we would like to at least think is that ultimately the people in charge will know when to stop, if only for their own benefit, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is even the the libertarian reading of capitalism, is that, like, look, yes, there's going to be corruption, yes, there's going to be this, but it will ultimately pull us all forward, and the market will eventually correct itself, right? The market itself, there will be plenty of bad actors, but if we let it do what it does, it will ultimately pull ourselves forward. This is someone who has won, who is unable to stop, and he keeps going until he basically destroys his life, and then even then he isn't punished. He is only rewarded. And at the end of the movie, you know, we're left, you know, it's a very blanket statement of people want what this guy has. And mm-hmm. it is a it is it is a story about basically how we're all addicted to capitalism. And it's a very frightening film from that angle. because uh, it I think it explains a lot of what's going on right now where it's not just greed driving these people. It's it's irrational addiction. It is they aren't just doing it because they're evil, greedy people, even though they are. They they don't know how to stop. And we are on a track that is disastrous for humanity. And we cannot break away from it because so many people are addicted to it. That's an excellent read on an excellent film. It's a scary. It's a it's a scary movie. I love that movie. It's also very funny, but it's really a frightening. Film oh yeah, when it's you a watch it. Um, but uh, I saw that Christmas with my grandfather and dad. So interesting movie to go with your grandparent to see. Um, yeah, I went with a group of friends from high school, and I think we thought we were just gonna get like an outright comedy, but I I do think we were all a little shaken after. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a testament to the great Scorsese. Well, I think the first watch was such a, like, I kind of walked in and felt like I had a fucking heart attack, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, like, subsequent watches, like, oh, this is a frightening film. 
And I will say, talking about like with like talking about her, this is the tail end of libertarian Matt. Like I was still a libertarian in 2013, and Wolf of Wall Street is definitely one of the movies that was like yanking that needle out of just being like, oh, all right, okay, there's there's something I'm missing here, and I, it's, I, it's better to wise up now than later, I guess. But yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah, that's a great number two. And then my number one of 2013 was Gravity, which was my number. Which four. I already kind of talked about. Yeah, I already I already talked about a little bit with the Pacific Rim stuff, but um, yeah, good movie. <laughs> when when our best uh, picture that year, right? I think so. Yeah. Huh? Um. It was a, it was a... I think it's it, it's a little telling that I don't have that much more to say about it. Like, it is one of those movies you kind of get everything you need out of it when you watch it. You don't really need to talk yeah. about it. You can kind of talk about, like, the, the imagery symbolism and stuff like that. Some of it's very obvious. I do think it's very moving and powerful. Um, and I think it's a great film. Not really that much more to add. Yeah. Though. I, think I, this I, is I don't also, mean that as a negative. This is also a movie that was just absolutely body slammed by, at the time, not problematic comedian, uh, Louis C.K. Um, oh, what did he say? I, his take was like, she's a reluctant astronaut. There's no such thing as a reluctant astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, he's not incorrect. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also uh, fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, like field day of just being like, that's not how gravity works. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember him. he was going like ham. Yeah. I think he is in the CinemaSins episode about gravity. Oh, he, that makes perfect sense. What fucking like dog this... shit world? Um, I think those guys thankfully aren't really a factor anymore. Um, yeah, I think they fizzled out, but I also yeah. haven't just like looked into them anymore. So yeah. But I mean, what movies can they talk about? I mean, I guess it's one of those things where they can only really do popular movies, but... Yeah. Uh, well, for a while, they could just do anything, you know? Like, that's changed, yeah. thankfully, but for a while, it was like, yeah, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, what's your number one? My number one movie that has aged totally normally, that everyone still agrees is a great movie, has no problematic people associated with it um a movie that uh honestly i consider of a piece to wolf of wall street people aren't ready for that conversation (laughs) oh no and that movie is woody allen's blue jasmine (laughs) okay i thought you were gonna say american hustle oh no i knew that movie was i knew that movie was dog shit when i saw it no blue jasmine Okay, yeah. Um, I was like, this is a new peak for Woody Allen. 2013 massively. <laughs> Woody Allen, you've done it again. <laughs> uh, and it's, it was also probably the last Woody Allen movie I saw uh, before uh, we were reminded of who Woody Allen was. Well, uh, you live and you learn. Yeah, unfortunately, I cannot totally remember what my take was on it because I have not revisited it in, re- in like, ten years because of that. So, 
But when I saw it in theaters, I responded very strongly to the movie. And uh, I thought Kate Blanchett was excellent in it. thought it was a great movie, again, about... Uh, uh, I consider it a movie about almost toxic capitalism. Um, and uh, Kate Blanchett kind of being a representative of that because everyone's life she touches, she ruins. Um, and uh, Louis C.K. is also in the movie, as is Alec Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, somehow in the intervening years, the least problematic guy in it is Andrew Dice Clay, probably. <laughs> Good fucking lord. <laughs> and that was also like a moment where it was like, Dice is back! <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. It was, uh, he hadn't done anything for a, a bit. So, and suddenly he was in. I wonder uh, why. And they, uh, it, I don't think, Dice Clay hasn't done anything criminal, has he? Did I miss that? He's just kind of Oh, insane. no, no, I don't know. I don't know. He, yeah, he just kind of like, uh... <clears throat> Dice Clay was just—he was kind of one of the guys like women. They suck, and people were like, "Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah." And then I just like get flashbacks he was like, to Kid Rock. Oh yeah, and uh, I think Dice was kind of like later. He was like that was a character, which who knows how true that is. But he did try to distance himself mm-hmm. from. I mean, he called himself Dice. That's not a name. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but Blue Jasmine, he's in it, and that was kind of like, yeah, Dice is back, and then he's in A Star Is Born, like, uh, uh. Like a few years later, oh, yeah. So uh-huh. a small part, but he's good in it. Um, so he had a TV show for a bit. Um, Dice is interesting. Uh, so. Speaking of uh, um, Star is Born, uh, you see that Maestro? I have not. Don't tell anyone, but I kind of liked it. Okay, no, no. Hey, Bradley Cooper's a good director. Yeah, it turns out Bradley Cooper's actually a good director, and I hate him. <laughs> Why? Because he's because no guy that good looking should be that good a director. Oh yeah, yeah. That's unfair. Well, he just kind of became like every every award season ends up having an enemy, and I think he just like kind of slotted in because he's been passionate about it, and people hate passion. Well, it's also like, like we're I don't all know. Rewriting. Maybe he sucks. I don't know the guy. Yeah, I don't know either. But we're also all rewriting our reviews of A Star Is Born, which was like, it was kind of like an underdog at the time and then kind of became the mainstream choice, you know? Well, just like, I think everyone else is. I'm like, I, I thought we also liked that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. I don't know what people are talking about. So Maestro's good. It's a little unconventional. I think that's what's yeah, throwing I people don't know. too, is it's a little unconventional. Also, the nose is probably a mistake, but uh, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Notice I just don't have I just don't have anything to say about Blue Jasmine other than it was my number one movie that year. Um, okay, okay. This is this is like right after it's his uh, follow up to uh, Midnight in Paris, I believe. I think he'd done one movie between it, but I don't remember what that movie was. Yep, which is the last of his that I really loved. What was the What was that one? Um, I, I oh, loved. Oh, uh, oh, did you mean Midnight? Uh, Midnight oh, okay. in Paris. I don't I don't remember what he's done after. Oh, okay, no, I no, I meant I thought there was a movie between Midnight yeah. and. Blue Jasmine, so but Midnight in Paris kind of gave him like this. Uh, it was no, a weird no, like, no, no. oh, he, Woody, Woody's back, like he's actually a good director, and um, yeah, and then that went away fairly quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's so yeah, because at first I was like, well, you know, that's what I'm learning about like problematic stuff and whatever, and then I'm like, well, you know, as long as he didn't do anything criminal, what do you mean none of his other kids talk yeah. to him? What which okay, one of his kids still talk to him. Which one is that? Oh yeah. 
Oh no! What what the fuck? I was twenty. So, I didn't understand the complications of those things. I didn't have any perspective on life. I had just gone through my first breakup. I was in a weird state. I liked the movie. Like, it was ten years ago. I probably will yeah. never watch it again. <laughs> but I was also I will also admit to this. I was probably also it didn't make it didn't make my top ten. But I was also probably a defender of Dallas Buyers Club in twenty thirteen, which is a bad movie. So. Oh, okay. I, it's a bad movie. I don't think I ever really responded to it, mm, thankfully. Yeah. Well, then when I found out that one of the uh, people that wrote it was an AIDS denialist, um, suddenly a lot of that movie made a lot of sense. Whoa. Yeah. There's an article about it. You can look it up. Oh, it's, it's wow. It's a really interesting yeah. read where they reached out to uh, actual AIDS activists and one of the guys picked up on it. And basically, the, it, to give credit to the director who recently passed away, if I remember, he kind of passed away unexpectedly. Um uh, the director kind of st- uh, stepped in and fixed the script to remove uh, references to things um, that uh, AIDS denialists push. So good for him. Um, but yeah, you can find an interesting article. I can't remember. Okay, but, yeah, yeah, that's that's good yeah, at yeah. least. Um, also from that year, I just just I feel like we have to bring it up. Uh, blue is the warmest color. Uh, which uh-huh, at, at uh-huh. the time the movie that introduced film Twitter to Adele Xarkopoulos mm-hmm. and uh, how'd you feel about Blue's the Warmest Color? Along with Blue Jet, something about the color blue that yeah, year. Yeah, we can't trust it's it. It's just <laughs> it's just aging terribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, look, those lead performances are fucking killer. Mm-hmm. Um. It is, it is a, an aggressively uncomfortable movie in hindsight, yeah. especially having learned the director's like, f- even for French people, is having like struggles getting work because he's so difficult. Mm-hmm. The French don't want to work with him on a regular basis. Yeah, just, to, just for comparison, the French are currently working with Woody Allen, so that's just the comparison. So, mm-hmm. uh, Roman Polanski won a Cesar yeah. four years ago. What's what's going on over there? I something in the fucking at, water. At least they know. burn like half the country um, down when they fucking try to lower unemployment by like three cents. Like that's at least admirable. Yeah, you know you you take the good yeah, with the bad. You guys are right. Also, you know what? Here, you, <laughs> you take the good with the bad. And I just went to like randomly to a, a, a French restaurant, like just randomly, the other night. And you know what? Some of the best meals I've ever had, some of the best drinks I've ever had. I'm gonna give the French a pass for a little All bit. Right. I'm gonna lay off my that hate of the their... French. I, I, they have been treating me very that well. Is their claim to fame is the food? Yeah. Oh my. I, I had this salmon tartare with like this, this fucking like lemon zest thing and like some, some weird. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was so fucking good though. It was absurdly good. I was I was so underdressed. <laughs> Not that I give a shit about how the French perceive me, but I was a little embarrassed. And it didn't matter because everything was so great. So, uh, a more in West Hollywood, if anyone wants some of the best fucking food you'll ever have in your entire life. Right. Anyways, yeah, um... Good luck to the French. See if you can keep this up. Now, I do not have a revised uh, top ten list of the year. I do have a top five, though, that I was able to kind of hone in on. Um, 
Okay, I just want to mention some stuff. I, okay. I'm not going to, uh, like, rank too hard. Although I will say Pacific Rim is still number okay. one. Okay, well, now it's number one. You had Gravity. That, I'm not letting it, you forget yeah. you put Gravity as number one. Now it's number <laughs> one. Yes, yes. <laughs> not... Um, But if uh, if you have, like, your top five, then you you could start that, and I'll just toss out another one I would put okay. on my list. Um, yeah, this... And we'll just swap well, back and forth. I'm only saying it because my top five... Only one movie in the top five was actually on my top ten list that year. So. Whoa. Um, and some of these are, it's a little bit because of, like, when they were released. I think I have this all correct, that all these movies had at least limited or wide releases in 2013 in the United States. And also, you'll notice some movies listed as 2013 movies that didn't that aren't on our list. They did not get wide releases in 2013. They're the following year. Um, so... My top five. And unfortunately, I have swapped one canceled man for another, but I just gotta be honest for my number one. <laughs> okay. Um, which, was, which is the movie Upstream Color, uh, which is an, abs- oh. an absolute masterpiece made by a piece of shit. Um, really heartbreaking one. Um, that, that... I, I definitely didn't see it when it came out. I saw it later, but it definitely became a favorite afterwards. Another one I saw a little later, um, the anime Wolf Children. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, I have. It's a, that's a fucking great movie. Um, beautiful, heart-wrenching movie, for those who haven't seen it. Uh, my number three would have been the documentary The Act of Killing. Another one I probably watched over Netflix like way later, um, which is a very uncompromising look at uh, people who commit genocide, frankly. Uh, number four would have been Wolf of Wall Street, which we already talked about. And number five would have been The Wind Rises. So that would have been my top five of that year. Yeah, and now um, is more. is Wind Rises, I... I... I don't think it would get my top five. I think it'd be in my top ten mm. now. I wanted to shout out The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Now, I thought that was a 2014 one in the States, though. Because I, I, I'm going by, I'm going by the Academy. Because I think the Academy nominates it for 2014. I could be completely wrong, though. I, I gotta check this. Okay, okay. Because I, I could have sworn it was up against, like, Frozen. And stuff like that. I remember The Wind Rises being up against Frozen. Yeah, it just says release date November 2013. Let me check. Hmm. Let me check real quick. 86 Academy Awards. Um, Best Animated Features. It went to Frozen over The Wind Rises. Um, That... uh, yeah, not um, Tale of Princess, whatever is on there. Um, Tale of Princess Kaguya. Yeah, that, yeah. It, it is. It's a 2014 yes, qualifier. Sir. Yeah. Okay. So it does not. Yeah, count. that would have been. You're, yeah, you're right. I should have checked. No, no, that no, no, no. It's fine because that was another one where I was considering. Like, did it make my list? But uh, yeah. So, um, I, mm-hmm. I, I am now in my phase where I am willing to admit that anime usually make my top five of the year. <laughs> so, <laughs> shout out to the boy and the heron. Um. um Oh, yeah, fucking wonderful movie. Terrific movie. That's what's funny about Wind Rises, which it feels very much like a final statement on someone's career. And then 
fucking Mizagi mm-hmm. just throws out the boy and the heron, and it's like, oh, this is an even better final statement. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I'll probably do one or two yeah. more. And it's like, Jesus, man. <laughs> Jesus. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. Um, Oh, it's a great bit. Uh, Stoker. I yes. wanted to shout out Stoker. Stoker would have made yes, my list. Yes, which I... I did not vibe with Stoker immediately. Mm. That definitely took some time for me to get acclimated Same. To. I probably saw it in theaters. It's much better than Old but, Boy. But um, it probably just didn't make my top ten in the way that The Counselor didn't make my top ten. Um, which I think The Counselor nowadays mm-hmm. might actually be in my top ten. Which... Yeah, that would be higher mm-hmm. for me as well. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would put Inside Lewin Davis mm. absolutely on my top ten. I'm sure we're missing some films, but that's where we're at right now in terms of our rankings. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed doing this. I enjoyed doing it, too. It's, this was Matt's suggestion, and I think it was a great one. It's just kind of interesting to look back on how we maybe felt back in the day. So maybe we'll maybe mm. we'll make this a yearly thing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, God, my 2014 list is going to be fucking embarrassing, though. Why? What? What Do you remember what was on it? I remember immediately some of the stuff that was on it. Oh, no. Whiplash. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that today, Whip, though. Whiplash. I would still put You know it. what? I don't think that was ever on my list. I like, would still, on my top ten. I would still put it in my top ten, honestly. Okay. You think it's Giselle's best movie? I do. I kind of do, too. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a good movie. I think what oh. would really... Write, like I would put John Wick like higher than I probably did at the time. Like that's one where I like. Yeah, I, really like it, I remember but... like. Yeah, I, m- I remember I was doing film criticism at the time, and I gave it like a B plus. I'm like, what the fuck? That's like an A minus at <laughs> <Yeah>. least. <laughs> like, not that ratings are like matter, but mm-hmm. just like looking back at it, I'm like, no, I didn't know how good we had it. <laughs> like... <laughs> and of course, the rest of the series is like A plus, but yeah. just like comparatively. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was great, Matt. Thanks for like doing all this this was, this was your suggestion no this problem. is how we're starting the year i just thought um, it would be fun i've always i've always had this idea of like going back and doing lists from like 10 years ago to see how they've changed so um, yeah mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's a it's fun to think about and maybe we can even revisit yeah, you know, yeah we no, can see how how our opinions change just over the years if we do this for a long period of time so yeah yeah that would be great. Um, I now here's a question. We kind of uh, want this to be a very big year for the podcast, so I, I think that will determine yeah, the, yeah. the amount of years we can do that. Exactly. But, um, but here's something. I'm looking forward to all of it. Now, I just want to. If you could make a prediction from this year, what's a movie that you think will maybe grow in your estimation by in ten years, and what's a movie you think has a chance to decrease in your estimation over ten years? just um off top of my head i i think i underestimated poor things i love that movie i didn't put it in my top 10 it's like at 11 i think Mm -hmm. i i think that would be much higher haven't seen i I think that would crack my top five possibly haven't Um, seen it yet okay yeah that i think that's one for me and i i think i think i might not respond as positively to how to blow up a pipeline mm-hmm. maybe a movie i did really really like um depending on the direction the world goes in the next 10 years let's mm-hmm. see i might like it more <laughs> um, All right. but we we will see we will see um those two i think are are up in the air the most uh, yeah for better and worse mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. How about you? Um, let me think. There's a there's a fairly good chance that I will respond less to I'm trying to think of a movie that would be like that would actually make my top ten. Um, I could see like even though it's really high right now, I could see myself maybe uh, cooling on Oppenheimer over time. You know, like right now mm-hmm. I really like it, but I could see myself cooling maybe, on it. Um, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's not Nolan's masterpiece, but maybe it's still a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's um it's right now it's my favorite of his, but we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of growing, I'm gonna start some shit. Um, just because uh, it's been three days, and I have not stopped thinking about the movie Saltburn, even though I don't really think it's a good movie. <laughs> you yeah, uh, Matt's been texting me about it. It's after uh, having initially not really enjoyed it. I think uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think it's fair to say you you didn't like respond positively well, not my, outright negatively though my take was my my initial review which is what i posted like right after watching it was just uh on letterbox says me being shot for being too brave this was fine actually which was my take i kind of feel <laughs> like it's a it was fine like i didn't love it didn't hate it it was fine <laughs> but i and i what's weird is i haven't really changed that opinion but I haven't stopped thinking about it. <laughs> and there are other movies where I have had higher opinions of that I have stopped thinking about a lot quicker. So I don't really know what that means. Uh, it's, it's it, could, it could totally be swirling around in my head and I ultimately land on the side of actually that's dog shit. But right now it's just it hasn't left my brain. So um, I think I have to get through everyone's current takes on it and the filmmaker and try and like actually just look at the movie itself you know like i think the conversation yeah, on the movie yeah. is kind of warping how i view the movie um and if i can just also i will say i think it was much better directed than promising young woman um i think it's i think so too i'm, I'm still not like crazy about how it's all cut together mm-hmm. um but I, I don't have to get into all that. There's, I just I, I think everything's like a step off. There's there's a there's a couple of uh, strange choices in terms of how the movie is yeah, put together. Yeah. But I I think that might have been a flaw starting at the scripting stage, and not just uh, the it yeah just, they just yeah. never figured out how to solve it. Um, because I don't know if that movie's actually really about anything. <laughs> so, which is the weirdest. Yeah, you're part you're convincing it. me. It's it's such a strange movie. It it really I I think people are underestimating how strange it is. Not in terms of like the like visceral stuff that happens in it, just in terms of like the philosophy of it. Almost <laughs> like it's it's mm-hmm. it's an odd odd movie. So it could like I said I I texted Diego. It could be my counselor. Where like it's <laughs> uh, ten years from now, it's like no, that's actually kind of a genius film in a weird way, even though it is kind of uh, deeply flawed. But... Uh, yeah. One of my favorite Ridley Scott movies. Yep. Ridley Scott's Saltburn. <laughs> oh, now we're cooking. <laughs> but you have to keep the same cinematographer. You have to keep Linus Sandgren. Yeah. I mean, why not? It looks... It, okay. it, it does look great. Yeah. Like, it really does actually have a... Re- I really do like the look of it, um, which is partly what's so upsetting about oh, the yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so. It's like a really perverted perfume commercial. It, yeah, it kind of is. It's like, what if I wanted to murder the perfume guy? 
Like, <laughs> that's what the movie is. You hit the nail on the head, Diego. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want the um, perfume. I want the essence of the man I murder. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Saltburn is, people. Yeah. Anyways, Matt, thanks for joining me. Oh, um, that's good where can the people on. find you online? Uh, just keep an eye out. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm Emperor OTN1 on yeah. Twitter, uh, or X, and I'm Emperor OTN everywhere else. So, um. Don't call it X. Don't be one of those. Um, it's Twitter. Uh, links down to everything else in the description below. We'll be back soon uh, with a new season of the show. I don't think we've said what it was. I think we all realize what it's going to be. Mm-hmm just given the trajectory of recent seasons. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if something else comes up prior to that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Uh, we have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>